episode of Mrs. King's Chronicles. I am Miranda, and I am joined today with my pals, Lexi Fema, Jennifer Peterson, and Taya Johnston. And today we are going to talk about The Pharaoh's Engineer. So season three's Pharaoh's Engineer aired January 27th, 1986. It was originally shown as episode 15, but in our new order, it is placed in, as number 11. To start out, the writer was Jason Starks. Jason went for two projects in the 1970s and then this SNK episode. After Pharaoh's Engineer, he wrote one episode of MacGyver in 1987, and that was his last piece of work. So he didn't really write a lot. He wrote for SNK, and we have his wonderful work here, but there wasn't a lot else, unfortunately. And the director, of course, is Kate Jackson. Yay, everybody's so excited. Um, we don't have to get to talk about the background of a major character. So I will add Kate's accomplishments in addition to her acting career. For those of you who don't know, which all of you should, her real name is Lucy Kate Jackson, and she's from Birmingham, Alabama. She also directs Unfinished Business in season four. In addition to directing, she dedicated this episode to her father, Hogan Jackson Jr. And I can't help but wonder if some of the props and things used here were in memory of him, in particular in Rupert's room and his reading material. Outside SK, she also directed a TV series in 1999 called Dead Man's Gun. Um, named The Womanizer. In addition, she produced several TV movies, Topper, of course, SNK, Child's Cry, and Cold Heart of a Killer. She's also credited for a soundtrack as a performer in Charlie's Angels, uh, one episode of Angels on a String, which I don't know, you guys um, probably know what that is. <laughs> yeah. I have to go back. It was about a mathematician, I think, uh, like string theorist. Yeah. I'd have to go back and, and check that out, but I thought that was interesting. Uh, of course, she has a wide, wide, long-ranging acting career. For most of us know her for Dark Shadows, The Rookies, Charlie's Angels, and Scarecrow, Mrs. King. But I was impressed when I, I looked on her list of credits and just the sheer number of game shows, Match Game, Hollywood Squares, $10,000 Pyramid, $25,000 Pyramid uh, was Amazing. I mean, password. Yeah. She really, in the 70s in particular, participated in a lot of game shows and talk shows, which is, is wonderful. I think it just shows her wide uh, versatility through. I mean, I, I'd be petrified to go on all those shows <laughs> and try to answer all those questions. Good for her. I think most of us are familiar with her and appreciate all her work on this show and as a director for this episode. So, for guest stars, I'll start with. Rupert Simpson was played by Ian Wolfe, and he's probably one of the most notable characters in this episode. He was born in 1896 in Canada. Oh my Illinois. gosh! So wow. th- this this gentleman has quite I want to go through some of this quite the range of acting. Just to be born in in 1896 and and act in an SPS episode in of itself a huge feat. But I mean, uh, before his acting, he was a volunteer medical specialist during World War One. He's published two poetry books, and he didn't start acting until 1934, but he started then, and his last credit was in 1990 in a film, in the film Dick Tracy, and he died in 1992, so he pretty much acted right up until his death at at 95, which is amazing. That's amazing. Like I said, he started acting when he was 38 after a long apprenticeship in the theater, so he had a lot of theater background, and he was 90 when he filmed the episode of SNK. I can't help saying, it's amazing. Can I say what my favorite um, part that he played is? 
Of course. Other than, sure. other than Rupert. He's sure. the reverend in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. <laughs> that's like my, that's one of my favorites. There's, sad, there's the sad music, which is, of course, the pinnacle of my musical favorites. And Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is right below it. And he played the reverend. So I just had to say that. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I wasn't going to mention that particular one, but apparently he often plays a doctor, minister, or butler uh-huh. because of his kind of gentle manner. And so like, I'm, it makes sense that he would have played that, that kind of role. So Kate was adamant that this guy played Rupert. Like nobody else wanted him in this part. I think, I don't know if it's because he couldn't remember his lines, but she wanted him in this part and nobody else did, but... Of course, what Miss Jackson wants, Miss Jackson gets. So she got him in there. And then apparently he was just (laughs) for especially for the director, which was her. uh, She had to keep feeding him his lines and such. It was it's kind of funny. Came came back to bite her in the butt. (laughs) He would have to do a lot more, too. So, man, someone must have been working hard with him. But I do think he comes across well. Oh, he's so sweet. A lot of work into him, but. I think he was great in this episode. I liked him. So, yeah. So he started out, he acted in three pictures that won Academy Awards, including Mutiny on Bounty in 1935, You Can't Take It With You in 1938, and Miss Midiver in 1942. Mm-hmm. He was in the original Lone Ranger in 1949. He was in the original Star Trek series in 1968 and 69. He was one of the last remaining original survivors from that series. In 1972, he um, starred in The Rookies with Kate, I imagine, season one, episode three, The Informant. And then he went on to just participate in a whole bunch of TV series. I'll just list them off. Soap, Taxi, Mary Tyler Moore, Hawaii Five-0, Dynasty, Policewoman, All in the Family. He's probably well known for WRKP in Cincinnati in 1981 as the feisty butler, Hirsch. I, I don't remember him in that role, but a lot of people do. I was gonna say you if you if you the second you saw it you'd be like oh my gosh, <laughs> it's yeah. him. He's a he's a he's a good character in that, but not as it's not as fun as Dorcas's father in yeah the Reverend in Sunrise. Sorry. <laughs> nice. And then he went on after that Wizards and Warriors, The Facts of Life, The Fall Guy, Alice, on and on, until his my final major role was Dick Tracy in nineteen ninety. So he has, I mean, I just, I can't believe the history and the acting he has. He probably could tell some great stories if he was around. The second guest star I'll talk about is Ray Wise, who played Frank Duran. And he's, of course, the bad guy that wants to take down the agency in this episode. Ray was born in 1947 in Ohio, and he also has a long range in acting. Starting out, he may have crossed paths with Kate and Charlie's Angels in season three, episode five, Winners Are Losers. He went on to play a lot in Dallas as Blair Sullivan. He played in TJ Hooker, Heart to Heart, Remington Steele, A-Team, Airwolf, Hunter, Knott's Landing, Moonlighting. Bones, Chuck, <laughs> Ray Dark. Oh my well, God, he was in Chuck, wasn't he? I, I went through all of the... The 80s shows, but then he went on. I think his really big break was in Twin Peaks. That seems to be there's a big following with that show. Um, a lot of that's festivals. where he started getting all his creepy roles. With, yeah, after Twin Peaks, because he, then he played the devil and Reaper, and he played like these creepy bad guys and Chuck and yeah. He kind of has that face, that creepy face. He um, actually does the vo- 
voice of the Joker in it's one of the Batman's, isn't it? Well, yeah, but I mean, I can't remember which of the Batman series. I don't, more than I don't, one. I don't know. There's Maybe Batman and Beyond or whatever. Um, I can't remember. But he was Leland Palmer in Twin Peaks, if anyone was a huge fan with that. And he also played like Star Trek, Beverly Hills 90210. He is notable in that he was in a video game called Command and Conquer. He, he played the President of the United States in that video game, which I think is pretty cool. He was also in, in the very popular TV series 24. He played Vice President Paul Gardner. And then, you know, just going on in time, all those popular shows, CSI, Law and Order, Reaper, Castle, Chuck, Criminal Minds, How I Met Your Mother, which I loved, Young and the Restless, I think I remember him on that because I watched that soap opera, Gilmore Girls and Fargo, and most recently he played Fresh Off the Boat, which my husband's watched quite a bit, and that was from 2015 to current time. I, I don't know if it, it's still running or not, if it just ended, but... Yeah, I think it's it, still on. I think it is too. And he also has two pieces of work in post-production that are going to be coming out. So he's definitely still very active. And I can, I can, I can see his face through all the 80s and 90s, you know, and even in 2000. So in all those different shows and roles. So he's a great guest star to have. He's pretty much been on all of my shows except Alias. Like, all of my favorite shows, Ray Wise has been in at least an episode. So you feel the same as me. You feel like he's just been a part of our growing up history. <laughs> my, and He's part of my television history. And yeah. <laughs> if you've never seen Reaper, okay, that show was so funny. And he did such a good de- job playing the devil. Like, it was, it was fantastic. I totally recommend trying to find Is it. Is it streaming anywhere? Okay. Uh, you know what? Let me look. I'd have to check that out because I never watched that. But Oh, my gosh. It was only two seasons, but it was hilarious. I loved it. And it's all dark, stupid humor. Which is good. Yeah. <laughs> but he, yeah. Was, he, was, he was fantastic in it. It was, it was so dry and his, his just stupid humor. Um, it doesn't look like it's streaming anywhere. It, been, it might be on Amazon, if anything. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Um, it's really good. You can find it. <laughs> I think I remember him going through and playing like the main character and then later on he's always somebody's dad you know like I think on Beverly Hills or something he played he's somebody's dad and, yes. <laughs> you know so he's just kind of gone through the whole gamut which is kind of fun yeah so next I'll talk about George Murdoch who played Leo Atkins and this was the executive at Blue Star Medical Insurance he also has a long history in acting he was born in 1930 in Kansas, and unfortunately, he died in 2012 at the age of 81. He started acting in 1961, and his last credit was in 2012, so he's working right up to that point. And he was in, similar to Ray, in a wide range of 80s, mostly 80s uh, and 90s shows. Some of my favorites, like Knight Rider Chips that I grew up watching, Benson, um, Battlestar Galactica, Barney Miller, and The Little House on the Prairie. Gunsmoke, Six Million Dollar Man, to name a few, as well as like Seinfeld and ER and X-Files, which I remember later. And he was also on Days of Our Lives, so each of these guys just has a stinted soap opera work, which is kind of fun. And he worked on two projects right before his death called Torchwood and Catterwall, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with. I, I don't know those two series. Torchwood is BBC. Oh, cool. Hmm. If that's the same Torchwood, um, it was spinoff from Doctor Who. Hmm. 
That's probably why I don't know it. I don't watch a ton of BBC stuff, but I guess I yeah. can see him in that role. Eli Stone is a good one, too, that he was in. And Barney Miller. He was in... Yes, I saw that. I mean, just long-ranging acting histories with some of these guys. It's amazing. I'll talk quickly about Brent Hinckley, who played the alarm system representative that comes in at the end of this episode. I knew I knew him for somewhere, and it's driving me crazy. It turns out he was in Silence of the Lambs. He did one creepy episode of The X-Files, which I remember him on. But his most notable to me is playing Seinfeld. In the episode, he played Elaine's co-worker, who she termed the Sidler, who was always sneaking up and taking credit, um, Elaine's <laughs> credit, on her, on her work. To, to the point where Lane gave him a, pack, a thing of Tic Tacs to put in his pocket so that when he was walking up to her to take credit behind her, she could hear him coming with the Tic Tacs. I remember it so vividly. It's a classic episode. So if anybody wants to check that out, it's well worth it. His, <laughs> his last acting credit was in 2012. So just, uh, I'll talk quickly about the ladies here. Glennis Mendelson was played by Nidra Volz. And she's interesting because she didn't start acting until she was 65 in 1973. She was born in 1988 and, and died in 2003 at the age of 93. But she did most of her acting as kind of an older lady and got quite famous for that. Uh, she was in Dukes of Hazard, Fall Guy, and A-Team. Uh, One Day at a Time, you guys don't remember her in One Day at a Time. Filthy Rich, and in Different Strokes, she played the housekeeper. She was also an Alf and Mr. Belvedere. So she's sort of a well-known, grandmotherly-like character um, who did quite well starting at 65. Quite impressive. Lois Middleson was played by Mary Jackson, and we talked about her earlier as a part of the guest stars in Over the Limit, where she played Jenny Weeks. She was trying to communicate with the big bopper. <laughs> and we probably mentioned the time, but she also appeared in The Rookies with Kate. I would like Kate to, like, someday, if we could get a rundown on all these connections that people make. and Like and Kevin, like and... Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon would be Seven yeah. Degrees of Kate Jackson. Yeah. Kind of fun. Mm-hmm. She was also the one, if you remember, that played in a lot of scary movies. She was kind of scary looking. She can be. And then just the two returning characters, Dr. Pfaff, played by Murphy Dunn, who we talked about in We're Off to See the Wizard. But we will also see him in future season four episodes. Uh, a matter of choice, particular. T.P. Aquinas was played by Raleigh Bond, and we also talked about him as a part of Welcome to America, Mr. Brand, and we will see him in many more episodes in season four. And that's all I have to say about the guest stars. Nice. That's all I gotta say <laughs> oh. about that. <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of work here. With yeah, you guys. it was a lot. Man, just like career. You can mm-hmm. imagine they're trying to get retired agent agents for this episode they must have called out to all the good retired actors that can play yeah. Yeah. People. paging all old people paging all old people <laughs> yes please i couldn't do all of them i was going to be talking for i know well, 20 minutes I, just just real quick because he was in other shows that i watched the guy that played ray packer um that was rasulia lula rasula lula anyway he was in the remake of Dragnet, which I watched for a while as the captain. And he was also in um, uh, What's Happening, if you've ever watched that show. He played he played Bill in What's Happening. So that's all I have to say. I, kinda, I remember that show a little bit. I do too. It was funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Rerun. Yeah, yeah. that was on uh, Nick at Night, I think, is oh. what I watched. <laughs> or 
maybe not Nick at Night, maybe it was on in the afternoon, but it was on one of those one of those rerun stations that I watched as a kid. No, I meant the character name rerun. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> His name, one of but the I characters' names was rerun. I really felt like these actors were just like my childhood history playing out. Um, yes. Yeah. I know Lexi doesn't feel this way, but Lexi, someday you'll look back on the, all the actors in your generation and it'll be like this. It'll be like, oh, I remember them back. I watched that when I was five or 10 or. No, yeah, she'll so be like, cool. I remember when I worked with these old ladies on this podcast. <laughs> these yeah, crazy I ladies. I don't know what I was doing or thinking, but. <laughs> I have a hard time leaving. I would ever for a second forget this. <laughs> Project. <laughs> never ending project. I think you're probably right on that one. Yeah. Oh. In this episode, Lee and Amanda investigate disappearances at an agency retirement home. After discovering a connection between an old, highly classified mission and an active case, they work with the Pharaoh's engineer to crack code pyramid. Now, um, before we start, I do want to point out that we have the Pharaoh's engineers. The script was called the Pharaoh's engineers like plural, and it was spelled correctly on the script. So somehow when it went to production, it got spelled wrong. Yeah, I was wondering about that yeah. discrepancy. But... but so whenever I type it, I always, you know, when I'm like putting on anything, I always spell it wrong because that's how, you know, I'm a, I'm a scarecrow purist. I have to spell it the way the show accidentally spelled it. <laughs> so, um, but it, um, on the script, it was spelled properly, but it was plural. So it was the Pharaoh's engineers. But now on the show, it's Pharaoh's, spelled wrong, engineer. And then we have the shooting draft, and it's dated December 16th, 1985. And I just want to point out one other thing. December 16th, 1985 is actually the actual day that uh, Hogan Jackson Jr. passed away. So when the script was written, or had the shooting draft rather, uh, then that's when her father passed away. And then they started filming on this on January 3rd of 1986. So a couple weeks later. Hmm. Yeah. So Hogan Jackson Jr., her father, was born August 13th, 1913. And he died December 16th, 1985. He was 72. He's buried in Mountain Brook, Alabama, uh, with along with his wife, Ruth Shepard Jackson. And she was born January 7th, 1916, and died January 26th, 1998, at the age of 82. And she's also buried. Um, it looked like it's kind of, there's a picture of it. It looks like it's in the, like a mausoleum type thing. So rather than like in the ground type, you know what I mean? Are they close to the coast? That would explain that. Um, Mountain Brook? Yeah. I don't know. It Well, it could, it, what could explain it is they have a, they had a famous daughter who probably paid to have it, you know, put in. No, that's <laughs> you know, that could be too, you know, that's I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but. Anyways, so that's the scoop on that. But we do have the script and we'll be talking about a few of the differences there because it's a completely new tag that we didn't get to actually enjoy watching. Hey, I looked up the spelling issue. Yeah. It's interesting to note that Pharaoh spelled the way um, we think is correct is given to ancient Egyptian rulers. But the way it's spelled in this title was used as a proper noun in the Bible. So it was spelled that way in the Bible. Interesting. Okay. So today, referring to someone as a pharaoh means as a tyrant. You know, they go on to the definitions, but the distinctions between the two, well, actually, scratch that because it relates to the pyramids. 
But I'm wondering if it's not, if it's on purpose. Yeah, it could be. You know, Kate, Kate doesn't do anything that's not on purpose. You're right. She had you're, control over you're everything very right. on this with this um, episode. Um, I would imagine. So hmm, I wonder what the distinction would be there because I don't think the agent pyramid is godly, but <laughs> no, but but maybe Kate had it that way because I mean I think she yeah. she she wore a cross for a while too. So I mean she was obviously yeah um, somewhat religious. I don't know at what extent, but maybe that's why. And then the fact that her dad just passed away, maybe that's why she changed it more to a more biblical sense. Maybe. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. I just didn't realize there were two spellings. Yeah, I didn't either. Meant. It's kind of like carrot for gold and carrot for other gems, stones, right? Spelled differently. Right. <laughs> Maybe. Right. Maybe it's like that. So, That's cool, though. Thanks for finding that. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it makes more sense, too, to have it be the Ferris engineer because really the focus of the episode was Rupert. Right. As opposed to the people that made the pyramid. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than the group. So mm-hmm. that was cool but Rupert in the actual film version, he does say we were, we were the Pharaoh's engineers. Engineers. Yeah. He says engineers every time he talks about it, but I thought it was, and, and which makes sense with the original title mm-hmm. that you're talking about all of them. But after you see the episode and you see how much the focus is on Rupert yeah. and his story, it makes sense that it was the Pharaoh's engineer, you know, engineers of engineers. And Duran actually, when he realizes they've hit the, the mother, sh- you know, the mother load with uh, finding Rupert, he said, we had the Pharaoh's engineer. So he actually is mm-hmm. the first, that's the first time we hear just engineer as with him singular, as yeah. him being the one. So um, anyways, let's get to the, get out of all the spoilers that we've just now given everybody and uh, get into the actual episode. This one, I think we can all agree, starts out very different in the in the tone that's set. It's one, it's dark, but we've seen dark ones before. But what I think goes along with this is the music. The, the music is... It's really ahead of its time, to be perfect. For about. sure. Because this is much more, like, you know me, I'm like a spy show guru. So, like, this is, like, way more, like, shows that were in the mid to late 90s, like, Nikita and stuff like that. This is the type of music that they use. Mm-hmm. She used it 15 years earlier. Yep, yep. And Kate, um, in an interview, Kate said that she, you know, anybody could do something where, you know, when you're not paying attention to it, maybe you go and get something out of the fridge or something, you know what's going on because you can, you can hear it. She wanted people to actually sit and watch it to see mm-hmm. what was going to happen and, and not just have, you know, the dialogue, be all, you know, do everything. It was visual too. So mm-hmm. I think she gets that in, in all the things that she does that are very different. Um, and, and just the intro itself is, is very, very different for sure. I think you're, I think you're right, Miranda, in terms of her being ahead of her time for sure, because some of the TV shows that I really like make me wake up and listen to where the music is very, it really draws you in. Like if you guys seen The Outsider, yeah. that's one that really does yeah. that with the music. And that is one, th- the first thing I noticed about this episode was the, the difference in the musical style. So mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. And then even the shots that she takes, like in the beginning, you have the guys and they're back to back. The circle camera. Yeah. yeah. And then she's got the camera just panning around them. It's very, um, it pulls you right in. You know, you're like, the, okay, what are the, these guys the doing? The made the circle pan popular was ER. Yeah. ER was the first one to do the circle pan like that. And, and again, she did it 15 years earlier. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, in reading the script versus what we get to see the script is so 2d 
And then the show is, you know, 3D and almost 4D. You know what I mean? It's just so much, much more intense. Another, it's probably the same interview, but when Kate was saying, um, she goes, of course, they give they give the 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 gas mask and the the machine guns uh, show to the to the girl, you know, like meeting. She has no idea like what machine guns are the best ones to use and the gas mask that you have to use on this type of show. But she really I mean, you can't tell that she didn't know what she was doing on any of that stuff. So then the episode begins with that that cool pan uh, that we get to see and then drilling. So they're drilling into concrete and it's pretty intense. This this actually reminds me of Murder Between Friends, how that one opens, where you have Sam Melville overseeing the operation and it's all for practice and he's yelling at them telling them they're not fast enough and they're going to get killed if they don't hurry it up it, that was kind of reminiscent of that um and he was kind of above them kind of like the in this um setup on this one too i didn't think of it but now that you mention it i can i can picture what you're saying yeah me too i didn't thought about it <laughs> yeah just it yeah. kind of clicked i was like that's kind of like the same oh you know this it's not it's completely different but it's Still got some similarities in there. I only kind of don't really have to say much about what they're doing. It's all the suspense with the music and the lighting and the mm-hmm. just kind of something's going to happen. Right. But, but then again, they don't really tell you anything about it. <laughs> so, yeah. And then you get Duran and he's got the cigarette and it's blowing out. It was just very intense and very visual. Again, if you left in, and turned your head away from the TV you would have missed that type that the nuances of that. So they're actually using like dynamite sticks, some type of explosive, and they're gonna blow the wall up. To where we don't know. Now the the where they're filming this, um, I noticed it's actually in on the WB lot. You can see it when they open up the uh, big garage doors. It's the WB lot. So it's kind of funny where they just kind of use that to drive in. It's a lot smaller. It's so dark. However, she. Yeah. And then the lights come up. They're definitely in one of the sound stages. I can tell just, you know, from us being in on the tours and stuff like that, it looks very similar to it. And then later, uh, when they open the garage door, the van comes in, you can see it's the WB wall, uh, the, one of the outside sound stages. So now we get to see Duran up close. And then he's got blueprints and a pyramid. So I guess this is our only view into what, spoiler alert, what the the agency looks like underground. (laughs) And he's kind of a no-nonsense kind of guy. I don't see him joking around a lot with his friends. No, very serious. Yeah. And then he's got the eyebrow and the eyes. It's very intense. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of funny because you... you go from this dark warehouse where they're, you know, obviously doing something nefarious. And then you go to birds tweeting outside and they're outside the agency. And then, you know, it's just like so much, it's such a drastic difference. We're now at the agency and they had a driver that tried to outrun the police after they were, um, after they stopped him. Uh, he was DOA at, at George Washington. Wait. Um, yeah, he was DOA because of a chemical Um, that he got exposed to. He was DOA at George Washington University Hospital, chemical warfare agent, GS gas to be exact. And then they had plastiques. And so that plastiques was um, the dynamite type stuff. And then blueprints. And then obviously someone, they're like, obviously someone's getting ready for a break-in. So they're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with that. Now there's one thing I want to see because I want to play it for a second. So in the script, it's very specific in this, this scene in Billy's office that 
Billy mentions Duran's name and says, there's, uh, we got a tip that Duran's in town and Lee's like in DC. So they don't even mention Duran. So they don't even know about Duran here until later when Lee goes to see TP, he brings it up. They kind of skip that part in the script altogether. They, they, uh, let us learn about Duran much, much later in the episode. And then in the script, they refer to the, the system on the blueprint, the piece of blueprint that they found, it said C400. So they mention that uh, they found a piece of a blueprint that referred to as C4900 security system. But in the script, they call it a Stern 900. And it's Stern 900 throughout the whole script. But then it's in here, they don't mention anything about a Stern 900. So although I think at the end of the episode guy that comes to visit and helps them out with it I think he does mention it so I don't know if they missed it or if it's like part of it I don't know anyways it was a little different though (laughs) so Billy wants them to see what the word on the street is figure out what's going on because something's happening and it's going to be happening quick and he wants to know he said it's better to be quick than so Francine's been given Francine's been given the task of trying to locate where that security system is implemented. It's specific for government offices and buildings. Well, that would be pretty easy in another city probably, but not in Washington, D.C. when like almost the whole thing is is some type of government uh, buildings. So it'd be a lot harder. I just have to say Francine's outfit is my nomination for like one of my nominations for fashion faux pas, right? Don't we have that category? for? Yes, it is. It's a fashion faux pas. So you were calling the police. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. I mean, okay. it's long, silky, almost like an evening gown slash nightgown. <laughs> nightgown. <laughs> I really hate it. I mean, that's like a nomination for Cries Against Fashion. I find it funny, though, that you have nominated what you think is a nightgown, and I nominated what I thought were pajamas. Uh, so I think, I think that's great. It does look like nightgown material. Like it does. It's like, a, oh, so weird, but it, it's like so formal looking that it's like a nightgown that, that like someone would try to market to him and it's being like, go from date to bedtime, you know, <laughs> your jewelry, you know, like that's the vibe I got from it. I have to say I like the colors and I love the jewel tones on her. This is not the way to do it. Yeah. I don't care for her eye makeup either. It's a little too raccoony looking to me. Raccoony? Yeah, with the 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 eyeliner underneath. Yeah, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Oh, Lexi, so this is your only my one left, right? This is your last. This is your last nomination for Crimes Against Fashion, and you're certain you want to use it here. I'm using it here. Okay. We're gonna have you to branch out. I'll, I'll try and influence you guys if there's another bad one. I, yeah. Yeah. Now, see, I've given away my my <laughs> my strategy, and now you're going to use it against right. me. <laughs> and then Lee's uh, task is to see what he can dig up on the street. And he said, be careful, but be quick. Blueprints, chemical weapons, mercenaries, whatever it all means, we've got to stop it. So this is a little different. In the filmed episode, uh, Lee comes up to the Q Bureau, and Amanda's sitting in his chair playing chess. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is there not a fish in that fishbowl? There's one. There is one? Okay. I, I, just, I just saw him swim by. Okay, so maybe he's at the top and I just don't see him. Because I was like, why would you have a fishbowl if you don't have a fish? Yeah, like right when she picks up 
um, his appointment book. Okay. Book okay. All right. I have it a little before that. So, so Amanda's sitting at the desk and she's um, playing, you know, playing a game of chess, which Kate did play chess. So it's interesting that it would be there. But in the script, we have a whole little section that got cut out of here. She, she does in the film version, she says, you know, you, your fern has scales. And then that's all she says. And that that's the end of it. He says, is that good or bad? She says, it's terrible. He goes, you want it? She goes, that's it. That's all this little guy means to you. Lee says, Amanda, I can't worry about scales right now. (laughs) And then she goes, what's up? And then they start talking. So it's kind of just a weird, (laughs) whimsical, but funny little part that got cut out. I thought it was cute. (laughs) Then uh, he's definitely kind of annoyed. He's like, out, 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 out. You know, it's like, dude, she's not a dog or a cat that's on your desk or something. Yeah. And then she helps out. She grabs his book and starts going through it. In the film version, she talks about, you know, she's going through saying, okay, let's see, you have Polish embassy at 10 o'clock. And he's like, oh, that's a dance lesson, blah, blah, blah. And then about when she was saying about Kelso and he goes, oh, forget that. He won't show. She goes, well, in the film version, she says, well, I'll give him a call and let him know anyways. But in the script, she says, well, you should call and cancel just to be polite. And he says, he won't show Amanda. He was deported last week. Well, in the script, her, her response is, you do lead an interesting life. It's <laughs> kind of funny. Then she brings up Birchwood and he gets kind of a, a nice little far away kind of pleasant look on his face. And she's like, what's that? He goes, I missed last week. I need to go. She, she goes, what is that? And she, he goes, that's the future, Amanda, if we're lucky. And then we show up. Now we're being brought to Birchwood, which is a retirement home. We find out for retired people that worked for the agency, not necessarily agents, but people that worked for the agency in some way. And there's 300 retirees in there. Um, Most of them are from the agency, but not all of them. And he's, he definitely gets a kick out of it. You can tell he's excited about it. Although if he loves it so much, how come this is the first time we've ever seen him go there or ever heard of it? (laughs) You know, maybe they're just at the stage where, Amanda gets to go with them like because this is clearly her first visit so maybe because this is like a definitely a softer side of Lee that it took a while for him to be like I'm going to share this part of that's nice I like that that was my thought anyway but that's very sweet though I do like that kind of unexpected if you think about Lee in season one doing this right like I wouldn't expect it but well in the script it mentions it's he says the first time he went it made it stuck with him for like the whole week like it made him feel really good by going so that's why he kept going it doesn't refer to anything about how often he went but that definitely when he went it really stuck with him so if he had a good experience then he just kept going made him feel good i guess mm-hmm. well and he gets bread and treats too so well, and and think about it. Lee didn't have the 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 motherly and the fatherly type growing up. Even with his uncle, he sure. wasn't very loving. Yeah. And here he's got three hundred grandparents. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure he didn't involve get involved with all of them. But I mean, he has hundreds of grandparents that are doting on him, right? And that he can be himself because they're retirees. So they've lived that life and they know. So there's no expectations for, for him. I bet you that's that's probably a great thing for him. Yeah. I would love that. <laughs> but especially him. You're right. Yeah. And Amanda picks up on it. She's like, I can tell you get a kick out of coming here. You know, I can see it all over your face kind of thing. So it is nice that she gets to see that side of him. And he says, you know, there's just something about the people. Something about them makes me feel very good, which is nice. 
and it is a, so- a much softer side of him. So now we get to see the ladies, and uh, the- <laughs> I have to say, I have to bring this up because it's fun. I was crying laughing at this again today. My husband's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and so I had to show him, and he's like, oh, God. So we were able, um, Miranda, Miranda, you were there. Were you paying attention? Because you were, like, off. I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> Yeah, I was watching. Okay, because in some parts you weren't watching and some of you were. So Miranda and Jen and I and a couple other people were fortunate enough to be able to to watch uh, the dailies from this episode uh, that were directly from Kate. And oh my goodness, are they, <laughs> there's some really funny, funny, funny scenes. One of which, the funniest one I thought, well, the second funniest, is the scene where Lois and uh, Glennis, show up on the little golf cart when they were filming this. And this was filmed on um, January 7th of 86, not 85, like the little counter said, but 1986. And I want to explain what a daily is too. The dailies are all the things that they shot for the day. It's basically the every uncut, angle. Uncut, t- uncut tape. For yes. The entire day. Yes. And it's, I mean, angle, yeah. a close up a pan, you know, everything you could possibly, you know, every angle, if it was just, you know, even if Amanda's not talking, the camera's just on her while that person's talking. And then it's on Lee and somebody else is maybe talking or he might be talking, you know, those types of things. And you have to do it over and over and over again. So while most people would probably find that boring when you're watching your the show you're obsessed with, it's a blast. And it was so funny. So the day they filmed this, it was super, super windy like incredibly windy and the the funny blooper that they have, they get up, the cart comes up and then I'm not sure which one's which, uh, Glennis, is she the shorter one? Yeah. Okay. Well, Glynis. the shorter one, Glennis, sh- uh, she gets up and the, the wind blows her skirt where you see her slip, you see like everything. And it's just like going all over the place. And Kate starts laughing and then she's going, she's going like, she's like, cut, cut, cut. And then Bruce, like you have to watch it three times because you have to watch what's happening with the dress. But then you have to watch Kate's reaction to it. And then you have to watch Bruce's reaction. And Bruce is jumping up and down, like feet both off the ground, jumping up and down, laughing his head off. It is the funniest thing. It is adorable. It was so cute. So then they have to cut it and (laughs) redo the whole thing because the wind was blowing like crazy. So that's that part. But then when Rupert comes up, as I said earlier in the show, Ian Wolf, Mr. Horrible at remembering his lines, which now that I know he was like 90 years old, I can understand why he would not remember them. Um, he kept coming up and he would forget his line. Well, then Kate feeds him his line because she has them all memorized. Remember, Greg told us that. And then uh, she starts yelling it when later on in the dailies. She's not even in the, the it's not a close up on somebody else. You can hear her like down the street a little bit going, and now I'm an uncle. I'm <laughs> just yelling it because she's telling him his lines from from probably the director's chair, I would imagine. But it was so funny. What's funny is how calm she is most of the time at feeding the lines and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's not annoying. Yeah. It doesn't disrupt the rest of the scene. Like if they can keep it going. Yep. 
it's yeah. it's not like an annoyed like oh my gosh you know it's more of just like matter of fact just keep going and then one at one point she doesn't remember the line it's not her line it's somebody else's but then she's like line and yells and somebody calls it out to her uh calls it out to rupert and he then finally gets it but it this scene right here was pretty funny. I mean, they had they had some really funny parts. And then there's another part where when Lee goes off on the golf cart with the late the older ladies, he's like, "Now what is this? Is this chocolate covered?" And that's all you hear in the film version. But then the dailies, you can hear him say, "What did you make me?" is this chocolate covered what is that brownies and then you hear him go you're gonna make me fat and she goes oh no he goes oh that's okay i'll run it off (laughs) it was really funny so they had some really just little nuanced things that you didn't get to see in the actual episode it was kind of funny to to hear him well what i didn't realize is how many times as an actor you have to redo the same line like i naively thought they were just filling everybody in that scene Oh, with multiple no, cameras? No, it's just two they, cameras. They just go film cages and do it again. And then they just film the ladies, Lois and Glynis. Yeah. And then they just film Bruce. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, that would be so mind-numbing to do it over and over and over again. And of course, it depends on how many camera shots yeah. you have at one time, too. Yeah. There, this was a two-camera show, I think. Yeah. But then the wind, like, in between all those different dailies. They had, he's combing his hair. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond the dress, the ladies are just, their hair is everywhere. <laughs> Luckily, um, Glynis has hers in a bun, so she's pretty set, except for the skirt issue. But mm-hmm. but yeah, like all of them, Kate, all of them are getting blown around. So it was very interesting to watch. <laughs> it gave me a perspective on what it's like to be an actor. <laughs> it was really funny. I like that. <laughs> it was cute. Anyway, so in the film version, we get Lee's going to introduce her to these two ladies. Lee! Oh, it's the Mendelsons. Hi, Lois. Hi, Glennis. Lois makes the best banana bread in D.C. And, well, Glennis is the captain of the volleyball team. You're kidding. No. Lee Stetson, you Ladies. didn't come last week. It uh, shows. You, you look like you've been working too hard again. Well, I guess I have. <laughs> you, I've been baking all week. Oh, look at this. Good thing he's wasting away. Where have you been? I'm sorry. I, I got all tied up last week. Business, you know. Say no more. You aren't going to tell us anyway. Not only has he lost weight, but he's forgotten his manners. Oh, I'm sorry, ladies. This yeah. is Amanda King. Hello. Hi. Hello. Uh, she's with us. Oh, you're a niece. Uh, well, I'm, not... a, I'm a nephew. Oh? And I'm an uncle. And all I can hear is Kate yelling, and I'm an uncle. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rupert is the cutest I have to say I just want to squeeze his little cheeks he's so cute and uh he's very he's all business he just wants to talk to Lee he needs to tell him something really really important and Lee's kind of giving him the bums rush and says you know what why don't you get started with Amanda and I'll go with the ladies and then I'll catch up with you you can tell I got the sense early on like Rupert's kind of um a storyteller and sees probably shadows where they really aren't there kind of thing sort of felt like he had all this you know he had this exciting life for so long and now he's retired and living in a boring you know retirement community so he's making it you know he probably makes his own excitement Mm -hmm. yeah which you know what what harm is it you know except well except for that plumber in east jersey but (laughs) (laughs) exactly well it's a good thing he is in this case because yeah he does stumble on something important (laughs) Spoiler alert. Yes. Yeah. 
I don't even know why we do that. It's not like if you're listening to the show and you haven't seen this, then what the hell are you listening to us for? We can't be that funny to listen to. (laughs) So Rupert, you know, is like, okay, fine, let's go. (laughs) Like, all right, you'll do. I think he actually says that. Like, you'll do. Let's go. And uh, and then Glynis goes, be careful, Amanda. He's our resident Lothario. <laughs> He'll chase anything in a skirt, <laughs> which is kind of funny. 90 and keeps on. Yeah, going. you go. That You know, those uh, those uh, retirement homes are like a hotbed of uh, intrigue and sex and all kinds of things, you know. So she goes off with him and then Lee takes off uh, with the ladies in the golf cart. Now, in the episode that we see she says he, he asked her have you ever seen invasion of the body snatchers and amanda goes uh no but in the script she she responds it was one of my favorites <laughs> and then he goes on to say about you know well we got our own version of it live version of it going on here kind of thing so in in uh, the script she she it was one of her favorite movies which seems a little odd but that's probably why they changed it <laughs> And then Rupert, you know how Rupert in the in the actual episode says, "Give me your phone number, and uh, and uh, I'll let you. I'll call you. So just stay stay connected with me, kind of thing." Well, in this, he gets he is kind of a little Lothario. He gets a little flirty. <laughs> He's your number. <laughs> when he asks for her phone number, she goes, "You got a deal." And he he goes, "End of business." And he puts his arm around her and says, "My bungalow's right down here. Could I interest you in some tea?" And she says, sounds good. And he goes, Amanda, I like that name. It's proud, spirited, a lot like its attractive owner seems to be. And Amanda says, thank you. That's very sweet. And he says, it wasn't supposed to be sweet. I was trying to pick you up. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes, she smiles and she says, you already did for tea. (laughs) It was cute. I like old men hitting on women. I just, I'm not into that. Oh, and I thought I, it was cute. I mean, he's 90 you know, years I'm old. Not into that. Oh. I don't like it. He's 90, Lex. Don't like it. Not a fan. I think it's a generational thing, honestly. I think it would have been a joke. Yes, it was. Oh, I mean, it was certainly a joke, but I, I totally think it's a generational thing because when, yeah, it's totally a generational thing. <laughs> Because back in the day, okay, I think this, I, I, I'm having an epiphany here. I think back in the day when we were young, way back when, ladies. No, but when we were young, like, you know, like 20 or something like that, there wasn't too many, there were, but not too many guys that were dating younger women like that. That was just the start of all that. So it wasn't like a creepy thing. You know what I mean? It was more like, a, oh, that's cute. You know, this more old like guy. Than yeah, yeah, like than anything. That would ever exactly. But I think now, now switch gears and, and, you know, several years later, and now Lexi's at this age, she's grown up with perverted men who are dating, you know, much younger women. Uh, and not to say that women don't, there's not women that date younger men, because there are, but I'm just saying there's that stereotype of, you know, a guy going through midlife crisis, and then he dates somebody who's like 20, you know, 30 years younger yeah, than him. Kind of thing. So maybe that's, uh, I don't know, what do you think, Lex? Weigh in on this since we're talking about. I mean, I don't really think that's true, because I mean, even if you go back like way 
backing bringer time. It's always been the older guy goes after the younger woman. That's just life. That's that's just how it is. Like think about um, royalty and stuff like that. Oh, all, that's true. Yeah, girl. It's it's just. I think it's maybe my generation has been more conditioned to say like, hey, any sort of predatory behavior between men and women isn't cool. Yeah. Um, Maybe it, uh, but in general, no. I just I don't think like, it's cute. I never think it's cute for like an older guy to like a really older guy. Just I was gonna say you do like older men though. There's, there's <laughs> other ways to be cute than having to like uh, rely on it that way. I'm just not a fan. I'm glad they took it out of the script, and that's just me. To be clear, it was probably going on back then. That same stuff. We just like you're talking about. Taya, it was probably happening in a perverted way as well in our Oh, music. I'm sure it was. It wasn't, it was, it wasn't brought to the surface it, as much. Yeah, um, and it wasn't as, as um, didn't happen as often, I don't think. I'm surprised that you would say that because I think it was more predatory, like, way back when there were no rules. Maybe it just wasn't viewed that way. But, I mean, think about Playboy that's been around for how many decades at this point. Like, it's always older men that are buying that ogling younger like society's idea of beautiful women and it's it's just i think now it's more recognized as like being a predatory behavior versus not yeah well i I think you're generalizing when you say only older men bought playboy I know a lot of young men who bought Playboy. They did buy it, but they definitely looked at it. No, I yeah. mean, I mean, young men, I, I know, I can tell, I name off a bunch, which I will not do, but I can name off a bunch that were in their 20s that had it, that had a subscription to it. Well, and I think, though, it's not just older men. I mean, all men at a position of power were probably very much taking advantage of women. Oh, for sure. In a protesting yeah. way. You know, back then, now, whatever. So I don't just associate it with older men. I associate it with any men in power that sort of they got that. They use it. Mm -hmm. After this scene, so we actually, Amanda goes off with Rupert to hear his story. And then uh, Lee goes off with the ladies to visit with them and, and get their treats and all that stuff. And then on their way out of the building, which again, this is a great example of how Kate, the director has made it visually interesting. She had them film where there's like a, a a circle going around Birchwood. Like it's just a visually interesting where instead of just making a straight line coming down at them, it goes around and you see them coming towards you kind of thing. It's, it was just interesting to, to look at instead of just being the normal shot that you would normally see on TV. Kate did the scene, which I don't understand. She's not wearing the same outfit she's wearing at the agency. So again, she's switching, already <laughs> switching outfits between scenes that are the same day. It's, I'm looking to see. She has the, the same. The agency is pink, but it's a, it's like a horizontal stripe. It's a totally different sweater. She has a sweater over it, and here she's just got a coat on. But it's the same um, button down, I think. But then, uh, so they're coming down the walk. She had a striped sweater on in the office, but maybe that was her undershirt and she took it off. That's what I'm saying. It's a different different look. Yeah, she had a sweater on and I think then later she has it on again at her house. So Amanda's explaining Rupert's experience and Lee's totally discounting it saying, yeah, he thought Jimmy Hoffa was rooming uh, next door to him and it turned out to be a a plumber. undercover plumber from East Jersey City and so she's like okay great so he doesn't believe her and she's like well I think it's worth looking into you know kind of thing she she's like you know she believed Rupert 
And then Lee's like, Amanda. And she goes, yes. And he goes, have some bread. And then like throws like four baskets at her to stuff in there. In the one of the dailies, you can hear her say, you're going to smush it. <laughs> and then they shut, he shuts the door on her. You don't hear it in the actual episode, but it's kind of funny to hear. You're going to smush it. <laughs> it's a lot of bread. Yeah. Like, how is he going to eat all that? <laughs> Apparently he's going to run it off. Is what he's going to do. Anybody uh, else want to have that visual of him running? Uh, is that just me? No? I'm on. Okay. I'm the only one. Yes. Okay. But he's probably going to be a nice worker and take it back to the office and let everybody else have some. That that would things. be nice. That would be nice. I, yeah. That's a lot of food. So he's at the Library of Congress to see T. Percival Aquinas. Now, in the script, totally different. Totally different character, totally different experience. So he's at a miniature golf course during the day, somewhere on the outskirts of the city. This is a tacky place that has long since been seen better days. A handful of people are on the course. There's an angle on Lee and Lucian. And Lucian Reynolds is an informant with a sleazy charm. He wears a rumpled suit and glasses. The two men putt through. So... The scene goes, Lee says, Lucian, we know Duran's in town. We know he's up to something big. And Lucian says, do you know he's paying top dollar for mercenaries? Lucian putts and sinks his ball. Lee says, good putt. You got me again. Takes Lee takes some money out and gives it to Lucian. Lee says, how about double or nothing on the next hole? And then Lucian says, does pyramid mean anything to you? Lee says, no. Lucian says, word is Duran's putting together his little army to bust up something. The name Pyramid keeps coming up. Ain't they in Egypt? And Lee says, yeah, it could be a code. Look, keep digging, Lucian. I'll go into pocket for whatever you need. Lucian says, wait a minute. And Lucian has his ball in place to putt. He does. It rolls right in the cup. Lucian says, that was double or nothing. Lee smiles and happily gives Lucian more cash. So completely cut scene. Then we get what we see in the episode, which is TP eating uh, what looks like is enough food for probably five grown adults. It made me want Chinese food. I know, didn't it? I wanted that last night. And I got it tonight. I had stir fry tonight. So that was really good. I was enjoying it so much. (laughs) I think uh, Kate made him say, see an enemy uh, just to... (laughs) to uh get back at Lee for or Bruce for something I don't know <laughs> and he says it too I wonder how many takes it took that's hard to say see an enemy I'm not even gonna try <laughs> I said it twice now I didn't think I would but I did it was uh in uh finding uh Nemo right yeah and he goes a see an anemone yeah <laughs> Uh, so we've only seen TP a couple of times. We will obviously see him a lot more throughout, uh, season, uh, the next two seasons here, but TP's filling in pretty much what I just explained, uh, Lucian, except that Lee didn't know about Duran being in town because that part was cut from the script. Um, as we mentioned earlier, potpourri of gastronomic delights. So lyrical is our TP. I know, right? He said, Mr. Murder for Money himself is in town, Frank Duran. It does display a certain elan, doesn't it? Age agent gone wrong suddenly appears. And then he says, uh, for revenge, and it's very romantic. So he's been doing some highly selective recruiting, and he's paying top dollar. So pretty much what we heard from Lucian, but now we have it coming from uh, a known character, TP. 
Lee asks if there's anything else. He's like, nope, I'll continue to sift through the tea leaves. And then he asks him if he wants some Turkish coffee. And he says it's a stimulating concoction. And uh, he, he wants Lee to try it. And Lee's like, no, no, I'm still on the clock. You know, and he goes, and don't you get it too, you know, don't drink too much because I might need to call on you later. <laughs> so is Turkish coffee like, does it have alcohol in it? I guess so. I didn't know that. Okay. Something. Yeah. TP also mentions Pyramid, too. That's how Lee gets the information on Pyramid. Correct. So they say that Duran's like a murder for hire. Is it the conclusion that he's just doing that on his own vendetta for revenge? Or is he hired for someone by somebody? Because they never really tell us that. Well, we do know that he's in with Leo, right? Because we, we hear about him later. Yeah, but I thought he was just kind of using Leo for his own. That's what I was wondering. So I was wondering is like, is it kind of um, this fell into his hands and now he's just using it as it ends to justify his, you know, the means that he wants to do, you know, he wants to, to harm the agency. And yeah, is he using, and, and he bought these, bought these people. But then he does mention to Leo, he says, the people you work for don't have a escape clause. So... It's like he's working for somebody up yeah. that's even more evil and higher up. So I don't know. I'm that's not sure. Like a murder for like a hired hit on the agency and Duran was carrying it out, you know, with. But it seems scene. personal, doesn't it? No, but well, maybe he was talking about himself when he said that, like the, the people you work for, like meaning Frank. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't take oh. very kindly of that, but. You think. But yeah, it, okay. it definitely seemed, seemed like they didn't explain it, but. It could have either been a personal vendetta or he was work- he was hired by somebody. So in the actual film version, Amanda's just sitting at her uh, counter in the kitchen and she's using her adding machine. She's doing bills or something. And then the phone rings and it's Rupert. In the script, Dottie and Amanda are sitting around. Amanda sits on the couch reading and Dottie enters with a box of junk. And Dottie says, do you think any of those people out at the home would want any of this junk? And she puts the box in front of Amanda on the coffee table and sits. Amanda says, mother, first of all, it's not a home. It's a retirement village. And secondly, these people are not charity cases. And she says, she says something about hot water bottles. And and Dottie's like, I'm sure when I'm in a home, I'll never be able to have enough of these hot water bottles. So hot water bottles, get me, correct me if I'm wrong, it was kind of like a heating pad. Is that right? It's kind of like you get really hot water and then you put it on your back or yeah, whatever? You, you heat up the water on the stove and pour it into the bag and then the bag mm-hmm. closes up. And it's like rubber. It's like a, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would do that for, honestly, for period cramps. Like, um, oh, okay. Yeah, I would use it at night because my one at night would always turn off. Dottie is saying that when she's older, she'll never have enough. There's never too many um, hot water bottles, apparently. (laughs) And, uh, and then Amanda's like, I don't know about that. You know, like, I don't think we need to give them all this junk. I don't think they need that stuff. And then the phone rings and it's Rupert. And then they have that exchange that we see in the actual filmed version. And then Amanda goes to, she hangs up the phone, turns back and spots Dottie. She's still looking through the box of junk. She crosses for her coat. And Dottie says, by rote, where are you going? Don't tell me. You've got a late deadline. That, w- that was your film editor. You don't know when you'll be home. They never know in advance about these things. And Amanda says, actually, that was Rupert Simpson out at Birchwood. He desperately needs a hot water bottle. And Amanda grabs the hot water bottle from Dottie and exits. Oh, that would have been funny. <laughs> 
Well, they ch- they completely cut out the the tag that's in the script, so this will tie in in a second. So I'll gotcha. I, I gotcha on that one. In the film version, Amanda goes uh, and and meets Rupert out at night. And just because I can give you the information, having the dailies, we could see uh, this night part was filmed on January 7th of 86, if anybody was curious. She does have that sweater back on, Jen, with the stripes. And it's still got the same undershirt. So she just took her sweater off when she She's, went out. Yeah. Yeah. She's flipping things on and off. And it was, you know what, though? She was probably, they had a coat on her. She was probably too hot. They, she had to have a coat. And then if she had that sweater on and the shirt in, in the middle of California, she'd be sweating her canoblins off, you know? Definitely. Even in the wind. <laughs> Even in the wind. Right. It's a hot wind. So Amanda's meets him out there. Amanda's like, Rupert, are you sure you're seeing what you're seeing? And he goes, you, uh, did you talk to Lee? And she goes, yeah, he told me a story about a plumber from Jersey. And he goes, you don't believe me. <laughs> and then we see Amanda like kind of doing the little, uh, what's that? The conga line <laughs> with Rupert um, below the shrubs. And they're watching uh, the night pirates is what he calls them. There's a van outside of Lois Mendelssohn's little bungalow and uh, they're taking her out and Amanda's like, what's the heck? And he's like, this is their, they're using their modus operandi, the same modus operandi. So they keep going in, taking people and then bringing them back seemingly unharmed, which they can't figure out. And he says they're giving them these sleeping pills so that they won't remember any of it. And he's talked to people after like, Hey, you know, they came and took you last night. What happened? And they're like, what are you talking about? Nobody knows uh, what's going on. Kate looks really good here. So I don't know if it's the night filming, the lighting, but she looks gorgeous. I like her hair a lot. Her hair is like really long and full. It looks really soft and pretty. Yeah, it looks soft. It doesn't look like, uh, like crunchy with like the hairspray and stuff. It looks mm-hmm. And her makeup is flawless. She looks great. So kudos to her genetic makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. she won the genetic lottery they've just taken lois and um, amanda's like trying to play it off she's like maybe this is you know a uh, standard operating procedure and he's like uh no he goes they doped they've been doping people and he hands her the pills so now she's got sleeping pills that she can now go get tested to see what's in them and what's happening and she's like, I think it's time to call Lee. He goes, now you're talking. It's after midnight. And let's just say uh, he's not happy. He's roused out of bed at midnight. He's definitely not happy. He has to get dressed and look really cute, which he does. Is that a leather jacket or suede? I think it's suede. It's it's the brown color looks suede to me. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. I like, I do like Kate's coat. That really like baby blush pink coat. It's kind of cute. Oh, you're into the color blush? I didn't realize that. I'm sensing some sarcasm. <laughs> is, that, is that sarcasm? It definitely was sarcasm. I do like that color. That's I think it's pretty. Color. No, no, that's your, like, the, the blush is, like, number one. I know you love teal and blue and purple, but, like, blush is, like, your, whenever it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, it's because, do you know blush why? You know why? Because I can't wear it. That's not true. You have blush things that you wear. I can't. It has to be like a peach, like a on the peach side of the pink. I can't wear the pink because it makes me look sick because I'm so freaking pale. <laughs> well, Kate does look exceptional in pink. She does. Yeah. Yes. She did a solid sister color. We know she looks mm-hmm. delicious in blue, but she does look exceptional in pink. And red. She looks and red. red too. And blue. 
And yeah. And she can pull off yellow. That's the thing. She can even pull she can off pull, yellow. Yeah, she can pull off yellow. You're right. Not many people can. I think Martha mm-hmm. can too. I've seen. Oh, no, Dottie. It was Dottie that was in yellow. Yeah. Yeah. She yes. looked good in yellow too. Anyways, the color of the rainbows. Lee's ticked off. The security guards ticked off. And Amanda and Rupert are trying to get Lee to believe them uh, so that they can go check in on Lois. Now, I'm really confused. Has it been a long time? It must have taken a while for Lee to get there. So by the time Lee got there, they had already returned Lois. Yeah, but I was confused about that, too, because they would have seen that. Yeah. Because they were waiting outside for Lee. Exactly. That's so why I, 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 didn't I was really confused. Okay. Like, yeah, that didn't make sense. My thought me. is maybe when Amanda got there and saw the van, they were already bringing her back. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking that, too, but then it, on, on the um, gurney, it looked like there was a body in there. Right. Taking it into the room instead of... No, 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 no. When it was coming out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Know. Plus, Rupert was watching pretty carefully. I think I think he would have noticed when they came for her. So, in the time that they went to get the security guard, they had taken her and brought. Yeah, her that's what I. Okay, but here's another thing. So we gotta let's step back now. Rupert called Amanda and said mm-hmm. they're here. So he must have called when they were coming and took her. By the time Amanda got there, they were just bringing her back. That's got to be what okay, it was. I thought, yeah. yeah. Or it's a very lifelike dummy like in Alcatraz when they escape and they leave heads on their pillows oh. and run away. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Maybe it's not really her. No, I'm just <laughs> joking. <laughs> Amanda talks Lee into using his ID. He's not happy. Uh, in getting the guard to check out Lois's bungalow. When they get there, uh, Lee gives a very, very perturbed look at Amanda and Rupert. Like, you just made me have egg on my face in front of the security guard. You know, like, what the heck's going on? Why are you wasting my time? That kind of blows the theory for them because obviously she's she's in her bed. She's there. She wasn't missing. And he's left having to, to deal with the aftermath of it. So he's not happy with them. But he could have woken her up or tried to. If she was drugged, she wouldn't have heard anything. Yeah. Yeah, and turning on the light, you know, would have woken her up unless she was drugged. So you never know. I love how Amanda just grabs the security guard's arm and is like linking up with him. (laughs) She doesn't even know him. Yeah, so nothing appears to have happened to Lois, but we do know that obviously something did happen. Speaking of blush color, Francine is in a really pretty blush colored suit and it's very tailored. I think it looks nice. And her hair looks nice, too, with the French twist. I do like the French twist. Yeah. Really and her cool. earrings are pretty, too. This is a softer look. Yes. A softer look. Definitely in contrast with the earlier one. Yes. It makes up for it. And, and then it's got, like, a silky pearl, like, pearlized shirt underneath it. They're still working the Duran thing. Uh, Billy, they're back at the agency the next day. It's Billy, uh, Francine, and, and Lee. And she's sent a fax over uh, for trying to figure out, uh, have somebody figure out where that C4th security system has been installed. And um, she's just waiting to hear back from this guy. And then they know it's code pyramid. They just don't know what that is. And Billy's telling them to cross-reference with state capitals, you know, anything that they can uh, figure out what's going on. And then he wants them to give a progress report at noon. And then he gives a very stern look. Now, here's something interesting. So now we're at, Blue Star Insurance Company. In the script, 
and this is kind of funny. I don't know if progressive, I don't know. Can somebody look up how long ago progressive insurance started? Because in the script, progressive is with the insurance company, not the blue star. And I'm just curious if they stopped, um, didn't use it because there was actually progressive insurance. I'm pretty sure that it's been around longer than the 80s. It'd be interesting just to see. March 10th, 1937. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so a little before. <laughs> yeah. 1937. <laughs> Thanks, Lex. It wasn't Lex. very big until they were online. Yeah, that's funny. So that's why they didn't use that. Uh, they didn't keep progressive in there. Progressive insurance would be uh, probably have uh, sued them for uh, yeah. losing business and libel and all right. that stuff. Slander. So now we get to meet Duran. We get to see kind of Duran interacting with Leo. And Leo is uh, working with uh, Blue Star Insurance. And that's how he's knows about the, the agency retirement village. Lexi, you always say you like a guy in a leather coat. Do you like uh, him in his leather coat? Duran? Mm-hmm. Well, he's the bad guy, so of course. And he's got those 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 uh, blue eyes. Blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's got yep. really broad shoulders. Yeah. And he's older. He's an older bad guy in black leather. leather. <laughs> yes. He is, he is marking all the, checking all the boxes for you. Leo's getting a little squirmy and, and Duran's saying, hey, you sold your soul. I can't, you know, like, sorry, you're on, you're, you're stuck here now. And in and, and the script, he says, just remember one thing, Leo, there's an escape clause in your contract. But in the actual film version, he says, just remember one thing, little buddy, the people you work for don't put escape clauses in their contracts. It's kind of the opposite of what it said in the script, but you get this, you get the point. Back at the agency now and... Lee is working on cross-referencing some files and he is not happy to say the least. And when he hears the the knock at the door, he's even more annoyed because he knows who it is. And he's still kind of smarting from the night before, I would imagine, uh, and is not happy with her at all. And uh, it was kind of funny in watching because there's a big chunk of dailies uh, that we got to see uh, from this part. And this was actually filmed on January 3rd. So this is one of the first scenes I think they filmed uh, was this part. And uh, this is where they had the 1380. It was an 85, but somebody then fixed it to make it look like a six. Because I think we've all done that at the beginning of the year. You know, (laughs) you're still trying to write the right year and you have to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. So he's ticked off. And on this one, we got to see from every angle. So they just kept it right on Lee at that angle and Amanda talked and you didn't see her, but you could hear her. And then you have it just Amanda and Lee's talking. And then you just see her reactions to him, which are kind of fun because they're all in character and then different, you know, like a full shot. And it, just, it was kind of interesting, but the best part, and I said there was two funny parts. This is the second one. And this is the funniest, I think is actually getting to hear Bruce flub his lines and then cuss. He, he hits the table and says, shit. And then Kate goes cut and she goes, whoa, <laughs> it was really, it was really funny. I'm sure that's not the only time she's heard him do that. I'm sure. And I'm sure it's not the only time, uh, first and only time she ever cussed too. <laughs> Her reactions are great. Oh, I love it. In, in the, in, um, just so calm, but yet definitely conveying her feelings. She's acting in this, but she's also directing, you know, so she's, she's got to, tell them when to cut and when to keep going and restart and things like that. So, and when she's happy with what they did. So it's, that would be hard. You're, you're kind of multitasking so much, you know, and still be able to be in your character. I would imagine that's, that's tough. 
I like in watching her. I like the little things she puts in, like tucking the paper yes. in her stack yes. and yes. doing her pencil sheet. She actually does it kind of the same every time. Yes. But it makes you realize this very thoughtful way as she's integrating those everyday things into her scene. Mm-hmm. Which um, after watching it like five times, yeah, you're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> And then you see it. what they used and what they didn't use. And it, it is fun. So anyways, the film version, she comes in, sits down, and, and then she just sits there and looks at him and, and sighs. And he just keeps working. Okay, look, I'll start. I'm sorry about what happened at Birchwood last night. But I really think that maybe Amanda, Rupert's... stop right there, please. Now, I am up to my ears here. I've got a top priority scramble. Let's discuss Rupert's delusions later, Okay. Neither one of us are having delusions. We both saw the van. Okay, okay, you both saw the van. You don't believe me. But look, I took the names of all the people that Rupert said had been abducted, and I ran them through the computer. And Mm. you know what? What? They all worked for the agency. Now, first of all, no one was abducted at Birchwood. And a lot of people at the home worked at the agency. Yes, that's true. But every single one of them was working on the same project at the same time in the early 60s, including Rupert. On the same project? Something called um, Code Pyramid. Now, do you know what the odds are of all those people that were working on that project that many years ago being in the same retirement home now? About a million to one. Computer said three million to one. Now, Rupert gave me some of the sleeping pills that they're giving to some of the people out at Birchwood, so I took them to the lab to have Under them Under whose authorization? Yours. I initial the forms for you. You were so busy. But look, the results are pretty interesting. <laughs> BZ in sleeping pills? What is BZ? Stuff could bring an elephant to its knees. Now, this is great. This is, you know, we're really seeing her. I know this is further into the season, but we're really seeing her think on her feet. Um, utilize the system properly and 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 kind of taking the lead on things, even though Lee isn't aware that she's taking the lead on things. It's kind of interesting to see the agent side of her coming out. Yes. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I think that's part of the reason why this one, I think, is one of my favorite episodes. Oh. I rewatched too. And I was thinking about it, and right now I'm editing Welcome to a Mr. Brand. And she did it something similar in that one where she took the lead and she was like making decisions on her own without him. Like she knows the process. She's very secure in her role and, and her knowledge. And I like that about this episode too, is that a lot of it is her leading and following her instincts. And I think that's important. And I think it does show growth. So I think it's a Yeah. And, and it's funny you bring up that particular episode. I mean, of course you would, cause you love that one, but, um, but also because, <laughs> but also because, there's there's a similarity there's a there's a string that goes through the both of these episodes and that's that somebody who would normally be discounted amanda sees and hears and she takes the time to listen and and to not just discount them like lee and all his Mm -hmm. you know others the data agents would like she brings a different important perspective that that lends authenticity to these people whose voices would just be disregarded. That's a great point. I didn't think about that. Yes. Yeah. I do like her white sweater here with the, uh, it looks like a blue top. I do like it. It looks like a really like crisp white, very soft. Mm-hmm. It looks nice. I like this. And I love her hair in this episode too. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, she does that paper thing, Jen, like you were saying, which I love. She kind of like uses it and it's in the same spot every time. Cause we saw this, like how many times did we see this? Like five or six times the same scene over and over again. And she did it every time. And uh, it was really cute how she did it. You know, it wasn't just like an afterthought. It was very systematic. Yeah. 
She's very good at that, I can tell, mm-hmm. with all the attention to detail. Yeah. But the one thing she should have known is what BZ means, because yes! we just talked about we did. BZ in the last one. We did. We did. <laughs> You're exactly right. So, yeah, because uh, they used it in uh, uh, One Bear Dances, One Bear Doesn't. I know. I thought right. that, too. I'm like, you know what it is. Why are you asking that? Obviously, she's asking it because the audience could never remember that what BZ is, right? And so they have... They have to tell us, you know. She could have said, oh, yeah, I remember BZ. It could knock an elephant to its knees. (laughs) (laughs) Which would have helped Bruce because he kept blubbing that line a couple times. (laughs) It was funny. But, yeah, so she, it's funny because Kate Kate was patiently waiting. She says her lines in the the dailies again. She says her lines, and he's supposed to say something. And she looks at him like, I'm waiting for you to say it. And, And he just, he looks at her and he goes, Oh shit! And then he stands, slams his hands down. It's so funny. And she's like, a cut. And she goes, whoa. It was really cute. So what she's saying is that she got the list from Rupert of the people that were supposedly uh, body snatched. And um, they all work for the agency. And he's like, yeah, it's a retirement home that made up, you know, is made up of mostly uh, retired, you know, agency workers. And she goes, yes, but they all were from the agency they all were working on the same project during the same year 62 to 63 he's like oh okay then he started kind of he sits up straighter so bruce has some really interesting um and he uses them the same way his mannerisms and his body his tension of his body and things he uses perfectly in this as well it's it's very interesting because you see it so many times in those dailies that you get you're like oh it's not just like a one-off thing this is something he planned to do every time. It was really cool, his, his facial uh, expressions and things like that. But he finally pays attention. He sits up straighter and he's like, okay, that's a huge coincidence. That's like a million to one. She goes, and then she kind of quips. She's like, actually, the computer said three million to one. <laughs> and then, then she says, and here's an interesting thing. I sent those sleeping pills that Rupert gave me off to the lab and it's got bz and he's like bz and sleeping pills and she's like yeah what's bz and then he says it could bring an elephant to its knees like jen said and then she said and it they all worked on the project pyramid right so which just ties into exactly what he's been working on too which he didn't know what it was so now he's got this all tying together all always it's always so coincidental i would love to be able to take the camera and just zoom around the that the q bureau they have some of the coolest things in there the pictures and stuff on the wall and the there's like trophies and wouldn't it be interesting yeah if there's a lot of little knickknacks and stuff yes mm-hmm. tchotchkes is that what they're he's yeah. got like a, a bust of a napoleon it looks like <laughs> what the heck is it william shakespeare no, it's it's definitely uh it looked like a Bono um Napoleon Bonaparte. That's weird. Yeah. So now we're back with Francine in her cute little pink outfit and they're looking at the roster of all the team members that were on uh Code Pyramid and been wiped clean. There's nothing there except the names. And he's and they notice that everybody's retired except the one person, this Ray person, Packer. He's active. So they, Billy and Lee pull him into Billy's office and they're trying to get him to disclose what the project was. And he will not. He's like, I took an oath. I won't. He goes, it's Delta Green Priority. He's like, you know, this is need to know and I can't give you it. He goes, I would be, you know, giving, uh, going against my, uh, what I've, you know, sworn an oath to. He's like, come on, man. It's Delta Green. 
He's like, I'd be, I, I'd be violating my national security oath. He goes, come on, this is a matter of crucial to national security. It's imperative. It's all the key words. <laughs> imperative. Crucial. And he's like, I can't say anything. But and then he, he starts writing with his right hand uh, and he writes down. He goes, during the period between 1962 and 1963, I often wrote these words on an order form and then hands it to him. And he, he, he leaves with a parting shot. He's like, if anybody uh, from this office tries to connect me to that, I'll deny it. He goes, normally I write with my left hand. So Lee then, after the guy leaves, Lee reads what the guy wrote on the paper. And it says, from March of 1962 through July of 1963... I personally ordered 27,000 feet of fluorescent tubes. And he's like, sign, and he signed it with an X. And he's like, Code Pyramid was a top secret. It was top secret to order lighting? Light like, what the hell, you know? <laughs> and then he realizes like, oh, it's a compartmentalized. Everybody was only did the one thing and that was all they did. So that nobody knew the whole thing except one person, the Pharaoh's engineer. So they're finally figuring this out that, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, Top clearance and need to know and and it's locked down tight. Lee gets on the phone and calls over at Birchwood to talk to Rupert Simpson. And he's like, hey, could you tell me about Code Pyramid? He goes, he goes, why are you asking me that? He goes, it might have to do with your night pirates. He goes, sorry, Lee, Pyramid was a need to know project. He's like, come on, let me know. He goes, about the fluorescent lighting. I just heard and he goes, someone cracked. <laughs> he's like, nope, not going to tell you and hung up right on him. And he's like, what the hell? <laughs> It's like he, he hung up on me. He needed help because he, he knows these night pirates are up to no good. And right. It has to do with this pyramid project. But he swore an oath, Jen. And that means more to him than anything. You can't break your confidence, you know, break that confidence. I think, too, because he was the literal engineer of it all. Yeah. He was in charge of it all. It makes more... Maybe maybe not special, but like responsible. He would never, yeah, like he would never give it up. Yeah, he was he was the one that was in charge. Yeah, yeah, buck stops there, kind of thing. Maybe exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he's like, Lee says he's going to go over there and talk to him, and he's like, take Amanda in case he doesn't want to talk to you. (laughs) He knows him so well. Lee's headed over to see Rupert, and he obviously is grabbing Amanda, and then. Rupert hears the night pirates outside and is smart enough to hide the sleeping pills and get into bed, uh, especially for a 90-year-old man. Uh, and he gets in his little little uh, pajamas with a tucked-in shirt. It's so cute. Oh, my God. Oh, it's adorable. Anyways, he gets into bed, hides, pretends he's sleeping, and lets him take him away because he wants to find out. So it's interesting to me because... He's an engineer, but he really is acting like he was an agent, like a, a field agent. He just has, he just, the instincts he has. Well, if you think about it, this, in the 60s, it was probably the end of his career. So he's probably at the point that he's at a desk job, right? Because in the 80s, then he's already in a retirement home. So there's... Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, he was probably already at a desk job as being an agent. Plus, for people like doing multiple jobs, like engineering, but also agent stuff. Maybe. They work for the agency? It's possible, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, so Lee went and got Amanda. And then as they're as they're coming in to visit with Rupert, Amanda recognizes the van and says, those are the night pirates. And they follow him out to see what's going on. And uh, they get they follow him to Blue Star Insurance. Then they realize that they have Rupert which is not a good thing. And Lee's like, oh, Rupert, what have you gotten into now? (laughs) So Lee 
tells Amanda to get on the phone to Billy, tell him what they have, you know, give him a situation report and he's going to go get up closer to see what they can find out. That's a, that's a bag phone again <laughs> that we talked about, I think last week, didn't we? We did, yep. Yeah, I thought so. Amanda gets put through, she, she which again, this is from last week too. So I like the continuity between last week's and this week's episode. So last week being one bear dances, one bear doesn't. Remember, he said that Amanda has a clearance. She's a clearance all her own, right? Well, just now she called in and they said, what's your clearance? She goes, uh, Amanda King, I have a, a special clearance. And they put her right through. <laughs> so yeah, that, yeah so they, they uh, she actually does have her own <laughs> She's not a Delta green or Delta orange or whatever, but she's Amanda King and that's her own special clearance. It's kind of cool. Um, so she gets patched through to Mr. Melrose who was at home sleeping. Amanda's like, you know, I'm sorry, sir. Did I wake you up? And he's like, yeah, but it's not the first time you're like, okay, wait, <laughs> when else? Did- I know the way he said it right next to his wife. Too. I was like, that is bold, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember her waking him up ever before, but okay, that's interesting. But uh, in the script, it doesn't have all the sirs. You remember, uh, like in the actual film version, she's like, no, clearly no, sir. And he goes, then don't do anything, Amanda. She goes, no, sir. You know, all those, those weren't in the script at all. Uh, Kate must have added those or the writers added it uh, at, um, when they went to film it. Because it's, uh, it's a lot cuter with all the sirs in it, I think. It's very Amanda. Yes. Uh, Overly polite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just thought it was funny that it wasn't even in the script and she added in that, that in there, which is kind of funny. She's true to the character, if nothing else. I know. She was Amanda King. Lee kind of uh, sneaks through uh, the border of, of uh, Blue Star, gets up there and sees um, they have the window wide open for him. And it just happens to be that he can see Rupert in there uh, with Duran and uh, the night pirate guys are in there as well. And so he's seeing them. Obviously, what Rupert said was happening is exactly what's happening. Uh, they just don't know exactly why. So they're, they, they've been able to figure out they're probably getting pulling information uh, about Pyramid from these individuals enough to put together whatever it is they're trying to figure out. And uh, little do they know that they have just hit the, the mother load with uh, snatching uh, Mr. Simpson. So Amanda calls and gets a hold of, of Billy and, and uh, she explains what they're doing and, and uh, she's like, what should we do, sir? And he's like, nothing, you, you know, nobody's in jeopardy right now. He goes, just take some case photos and, and report back. And he goes, I'll head to the agency. I love Amanda's expression. Really? That's all I got to say, sir? All this and we don't do anything? <laughs> she's like a woman of action. She's, like, she's probably like, I don't want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh lee looks like he's in the freaking jungle he's got his binoculars and he's in all these trees and everything and then uh it ends uh goes to commercial you know with uh him going oh rupert what have you gotten yourself into kind of thing and then we see rupert when it comes back we see rupert getting uh uh gassed with a gas mask uh so they're putting him under and uh they're they're trying to pull extract information from him and uh on on pyramid and duran is super excited now that he's got pharaoh's and the pharaoh's engineer is what he refers to him as and he starts you know telling him all the information and what he was looking for duran was looking for is the weak spot uh in the agency because 
Rupert was there when they closed it up. I did find it interesting. Uh, Duran said, I got most of my information. It's been declassified. I've gotten most of my information from the Freedom of Information Act. So Duran's saying, you know, I got most of my information, but I just can't figure out this piece that I, you know, and he need. this is the key that he needs because he wants to break in and, and blow up the agency, but he can't do that unless he knows the way in because you can't come in unless you're invited like the pyramids. Unless you know the secret back door. Exactly. Unless you know how they sealed it up. And uh, Rupert just goes on and tells him everything. He's like, it did a damn good job too. (laughs) He's like, he's the one we've been waiting for. He goes, details, Mr. Simpson. I need details. When they, when, when they call him Simpson, I always think of Samson. So it throws me off of when uh, Lee was Mr. Samson and all that, you know, with his fake names and stuff. There's so many of them. I know, right? They're all, well, at first I thought they said Stetson. Like, instead of Simpson, I was like, wait, no, it can't be. He's not related to Lee. <laughs> oh, that would be cute if he was, like, his grandpa. <laughs> that would be cute. Rupert's pulling a, a, a Francine from the first time. <laughs> Getting drugged and then just spilling everything. Loose lips. <laughs> Sink ships. Rupert says, of course I know where it is. I built it. He's like, yeah. <laughs> So Lee and Amanda are just sitting outside because they can't really do anything. They can't get in there. And uh, Lee calls Billy and and she goes, what do we do? He goes, we sit tight. Billy's standing by at the agency. He's pulling everything uh, that he can about Blue Star insurance. And then Amanda's worried. She's like, you know, what's going to happen to Rupert? And he's like, well, up to this point, they have been, you know, unharmed to their knowledge. And uh, he goes, I know how you feel this, you know, like this sucks, but we don't want to provoke them and have something happen to Rupert. So she kind of realizes like, okay. And I like, uh, he's like looking through the binoculars, like she goes, can you see anything? He goes, nah. She goes, let me have a look. And then she looks and she's like, can't see a thing. (laughs) Like she's, she can't take his word on it. She has to go look for herself. I'm the same way. I, I can see that. So they've obviously pulled everything they wanted out of Rupert. And now instead of killing him, which is so kind, that's so nice and and generous of them. They're going to scramble his brain and make him just worthless uh, for at least a week, maybe more. And uh, no one will, no one will be able to decipher anything saying it'll be like a a, a crazy person, you know, just spewing out stuff. Considering his goal is to kill everyone in the agency, he's actually being really nice to Rupert. Right. But he probably just doesn't want to have to clean it up. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's true. You don't have to dispose of the body. Yeah, exactly. So then he, he pats him on the head too. <laughs> he like puts his hand in his head, like okay, little man. <laughs> Leo seems to be having second thoughts. Which um, note to future bad people, if you are listening and and looking for tips, if you're gonna have kind of a guilt trip, don't do it in front of the the known killer and have second thoughts in front of them because it kind of makes them feel a little um, nervous that you might I don't know you know sell them out or narc on them. So then they feel obligated, I'm sure, to kill you. So just a thought, you know, like I said, for future baddies, don't do that. PSA. PSA for baddies. The more you know for baddies. Lee and Amanda go back to Birchwood and they are now checking up on Rupert. And um, it's a kind of a cute scene. It's sad, but it's also cute. They go in and check on him and then he wakes up and he's very, like, he's very crisp and clear of what he's saying, but he's like, his timeline's off. You know, he feels like he's back. But then later on, he's like a big ball of mush. So it's kind of weird how he goes from one to the other. 
But Lee goes to check on him, lifts up his blanket, and then he pops up like, like a dead corpse or something. And Amanda like lets out a yelp. You know, he thinks he's in the army or something. And he's like, I sleep in my fatigues so I can get to the latrine and, the, and get in line for food. And she's like, are you okay? And he goes, fit as a fiddle, slept like a log. And, and then he looks at her and he's like, do I know you? And he goes, where the devil am I? And he's like, oh, oh, oh. He goes, I'm in the wrong barracks. <laughs> and then he like gives her a salute. And then she just holds on to that salute for like 30 or 40 seconds. And she just goes almost out the door with it on her head. It was so funny. This is where I was kind of wondering, there's this scene and then there's the scene back when Lee calls him and it kind of shows the Rupert's room and does anybody know if her dad I mean this seems to be like a yachting yeah like everything is you know I don't know all the pictures there's a whole bunch of like models of ships yeah Um, was reading a yachting magazine when he called and I just got the feeling that like it could just be that they were like, oh, he's a, you know, just give him a hobby and put it in there. It uh-huh. could be that Kate had, I mean, how she put in yellow flowers in almost every episode for her mom. So it's quite possible. I thought, I don't know much about her dad, but I thought he was in shipping or something. And he know. was, he had a, he owned a company. Well, clearly she knows how to sail, it looks like, or I mean, maybe. Yeah. He's just her character, but. Anyway, it's just a thought. I didn't know if anybody knew or not. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting, though. I didn't even pick up on that. Good good thinking. And now we're back at the agency, and Rupert is trying to put together a puzzle. And then he's, like, ripping off little pieces of the puzzle and putting them in his pocket. And so he's definitely not uh, the same Rupert that we met in the beginning of the episode, for sure. Yeah, not good. Not good. And Amanda's kind of nurturing uh, him and and kind of keeping an eye on him to make sure he's okay. And he's just he's thrown he takes a little piece and throws it over his shoulder. <laughs> She's just like, what the hell? Okay. And this is another thing, like uh, like I said in the beginning about um the visual. So we've never seen this before. It's a it's a Kate thing for sure. She looks over and there's a group. You got Billy Lee. Faf and and uh, Francine and they're all standing there watching them and they're perfectly centered on that flag the American flag which is so like bold and and it's it's a great visual image that we this is not like we normally see of, of SMK stuff you know it's not as artistic and beautiful you know what I mean yeah it's like uh it's striking yeah like it looks like it could be like a like a professional picture, almost like that's how it does look very crisp. Yeah, it's very vivid. I wish it was Amanda instead of Factor Fast. Well, in the dailies, uh, Lexi, we actually one of the dailies that we have is when they were filming the flag scenes. It was like, um, you know, when they would cut to commercial and come back. It would have a yeah. picture, like um, in, the, in the first season, they had Lee and Amanda in front of the Capitol. Remember mm-hmm. that green sweater she had on in his gray suit yeah. like that? Well, they did something like this with the four of them. So first you had Mel, Bruce, Kate, and Martha all in front of the flag. And they're doing like those little commercial breaks. And so they did those. And Kate was directing those too. And then they did just um, Kate and Bruce. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Those were like mm-hmm. the those were the inserts for uh, the breaks, the commercial breaks, which is kind of cool. Yeah. 
is where they did this. Yeah. Which they actually filmed these, those those ones I just mentioned, they filmed those on January 13th. So this whole episode went for like 10 days where they were where she was filming, which is kind of mm-hmm. interesting. That's about average. For them, yeah. Mo- they, they, they fudged the, the, the um, yeah. budget and everything. They said they did it in seven when they really didn't, is what Dennis I told us. Say, yeah, they... Most of the time in the 80s, seven days is how long they were supposed to take. But on average, a bunch of them would take more than that. It's mm-hmm. not uncommon. Now now the average is like 14. <laughs> Crazy. Well, yeah, because you think about this. Jen, do you have that date of when this aired? Wasn't it January 27th? Uh, it was January 27th. Okay, so this aired January 27th. They were filming this from 1-3 at least through 1-7 because we have the dailies from that and there that's when those dates are on there so mm-hmm. that's not much time for production for post-production no, for post-production yeah well mm-hmm. and it's it's funny because the difference now so now they will start filming they'll have about three months between when they film and when they air an episode of u.s tv in south korea they have less than a week they're still filming it. Well, I should say all of them. M- most of them, they're still filming it within three days of when the air date is. Supposed That's crazy. To be. I mean, think I of all the things that. Think of all the the technological issues that we always come up with on when we're recording, mm-hmm. and that is, I mean, obviously our production value is not anywhere close. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? crazy? That's crazy. That's why shows like all of the Netflix shows are all pre-produced. So they're completely filmed before they air a single episode. Yeah, they're so all they're edited. Perfect. They're all ready to go. And then they just exactly. air them all Everything out. Everything is ready before they ever air Yeah, episode. things have changed Even for sure. Even they release week to week. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I love, I love all of the television making stuff. Like, Oh, I know. It's very interesting. interesting. I was just going to see if you're going to talk about the daily shots like you're talking about for commercials between these guys because it was really like, funny to see them kind of strike a pose i know it was you know, hilarious like, go character and then go out of character and then go into character and, and then bruce kept making um, jokes in between and he'd be like we're so we're so funny or something like that because he's like got it he's like holding her like right up to her his back her back is touching his chest and they're like Snug as a bug. Well, you could kind of see Kate kind of go into Amanda mode because she would just, she would turn and yeah. that face. And then she'd know? just do, and then she would, <laughs> you know, and then Bruce is trying not to laugh the whole time. It was really cute. Yeah, it, they were some cute shots, that's for sure. That was fun. But I do, I love that visual. It's very vivid and very, um, she she just, I think she went above and beyond which, what most of the directors did, have done on that show, I thought. I thought she did a great job. Yeah, it probably helps, you know, that she's so familiar with everyone as people, but also as characters. Like, she knew she knew how to give direction specifically because she's so... I mean, she is who she is, but also it's this is her show. Like, it's, Well, and remember, Bruce and Martha were saying that Kate knew lighting like nobody else you know like so she probably was like this is going to be the best way to take the shot for you you know this is going to be the best angle for you and and put them in the best light too you know yeah yep she's probably saving up all these ideas for years oh i'm sure i wish i honestly i'm just i i think she should have gone in this direction excuse the pun but i think she should have gone into directing more into directing um and i and i think i wonder some of that i wonder was it maybe she wanted to and just couldn't be kind of pushed through because it was such a man's role up during that time there's not i mean even now there's not that many women directors 
the, the yeah. one person that I think made that break successfully is Penny Marshall. Yes. And that's because she had the support of her family. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Gary and, and, Gary and her and ex-husband. Daddy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, yes, there are a lot more women directors now. but Right. But there's still not that many. I mean, when you yeah. there really aren't. There are more. There are more. I'm just saying it's not anywhere remotely equal by any means. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and plus she had, I think, the trust and respect of people on the show. But maybe people were a little reluctant to have her started directing after SNK. Yeah, because she hadn't done it that much. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe just, I hate to say it, but maybe some of her reputation didn't open up a bunch of doors. Probably. As if you're well-liked, people are going to kind of go out of their way to make opportunities for you. Maybe that's not it, but it often is like a, you know, boys club in terms oh, of yeah. how you get those kind of roles. Mm-hmm. For sure. Boys club, glass ceiling, all that. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Yes. Okay, so getting back, so they're all up against the flag there, and uh, they're all kind of just kind of looking at like a train wreck uh, with Rupert, you know, and uh, they're saying he's drifting, drifting in and out about four or five different uh, realities. And he's like, you know, can we talk to him? He goes, oh, he'd probably love it. Yeah, but it'll drive you crazy. <laughs> he's drifting in and out of about four or five. And uh, it, they said the blood analysis indicates uh, chlorohydrate, which and he goes, more gibberish. Sorry, he goes psychoactive drug administered as a gas. So he definitely knows how they they gave it to him, and it's a scrambling of the brain. So he said it lasts for about a week, maybe more, and uh, there's no antidote, just time. So he's not going to be able to help them, is what they're saying. And he goes, yeah, you can talk to him all you want. He'd love it. Probably drive you nuts. <laughs> so of course they give it to Amanda to deal with. I think he's very charming and sweet. I I think he's cute. Okay, Rupert. Yeah, Rupert. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Billy tells Amanda, since she's most familiar um, over at uh, Birchwood, that she should go talk to uh, the residents there to see what else she can find out so that they can maybe talk to Rupert to get it to jive in his mind, uh, and then he'll be able to talk to him maybe more. So he sends her off to do that, and then he gets Francine to get on the phone and get that clown at Seaforth to tell them what those plans are from, what building. Billy tells Amanda to head off to Birchwood, and then Amanda kind of looks at Lee like, I'll, I'll, I'll catch you later kind of thing. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's kind of cute. She takes off and and Francine takes off. And then Billy tells Lee that they're going to blow the lid off that place. And and Lee's like, all right, the insurance company. So he's kind of excited about that. We see all the guys, all the uh, mercenaries that are working for Duran uh, with the gas. And they're getting ready because they are going to start at 440 and finish at 540 or 550, I think. 450 and 550, I think is the time. Uh, and they definitely have the G5 gas with them. So, yikes. All the agents descend upon Blue Star. And this lady brings them to Leo's office. And uh, Leo's taking a little nap on his desk. Face down. Um, okay, it's not a nap. He's dead. He got his escape clause. You're right. He did have an escape clause. So he proved him wrong. <laughs> Poor guy. He's a bad guy, Jen. Don't feel sorry for that little bugger. I don't, but murder. Murder. Oh, do it. Do it, Lexi. We haven't heard it in a while. Murder. 
Mrs. Jones tried to just try to be calm. <laughs> She's probably just saw brains squirted all over the wall. Just try to remain calm. And then Lisey's on a piece of paper, 550. It doesn't have like colons, like it's time. He just sees 550. So I don't know why they even bothered with that. Because, I mean, that could be a million things. Oh, that vision of of Duran with the smoke coming out of his nose like a dragon. That was crazy. It was good. It, was it totally good. was. He's such a bad guy. See, okay, here's the thing, though, about Duran. He's not the baddest guy. And here's why I say this. Listen, here's why I say this. He could have very easily killed her. Sure. He could have. Like, very easily. He could have, instead of giving him a mind-scrambling drug, he could have given him something delayed. He could have... He could have done so many other things. He leaves him alive. So he, in my mind, he was hired to do something bad because that's his job. And he's just, it is what it is. But he's not a needless killer. For no you reason. want to kiss him. <laughs> yes, you no, do. No. I'm, saying, <laughs> I'm just saying in general that he's not the baddest bad. I'm just saying I would date him. I don't think, I think he's misunderstood. <laughs> That's I what you're I saying. Probably be a I think only probably. Did that. He only did that because he thought it was cleaner than murder. Exactly. It was a. It, it was all about convenience. You're right, Jen. He's a bad guy. But for Rupert, he already got everything that he needed. He was the last. He was the key player. He could have just gone away with it. They wouldn't have had to worry about anything. Or like I said, they could have given him a delayed sort of drug yeah. or something like that. Anyway, that just means he's not the baddest baddie. He's just on a mission to, to do what he needs to do because there's been so many other episodes where characters have just been needlessly killed. And, and I remember saying like, there was, there was no point. Yeah, like, I do remember that conversation. I don't yeah. remember what it was from. But that's what I'm saying. Like he's not a baddest baddie. If we had a character, you know, we should have made that baddest baddie. Oh, you're right. We should have. Oh, poo. Kind of late now. We're already 11 in. Like a, like a yeah, uh, we actually. Yeah. <gasps> okay, we're gonna have to add that, and we'll just add it in at the end or something. I, I like that. Vile yeah. villains. Okay, all okay. Duran is a vile villain. <laughs> Since wow. obviously I have no. Yeah, you don't. Um, nominations yet, and. When you think, hold on, Jenny. You think he's one of the vilest SMK villains? Of the show? Really? Well. I get two nominations, so yes, within season okay. three, I think the imagery and everything, all the information we have suggests that he is a murder for hire and pretty cold-hearted, and so yes, but I'll think about that in the context of the other season three, but I have one more nomination, and if we're in fact putting it in there, right, so I'll, I'll throw him in the hat. Now we are at uh, outside of the insurance company with uh, Billy and uh, Lee, and Billy's like, "Shake a leg, Scarecrow." He said uh, he's going to have the homicide boys sent over, and he goes, "We're going to have to give them uh, some some official oil." He goes, "We've just copped some fe- uh, some evidence, and we're leaving the scene." He goes, "Protocol protocols be damned. We got to we got to get this done." So yeah, they definitely did some bad things for sure. Lee tells him about the five fifty lead. He goes, "Well, I don't know, but it's something." Oh, and then I like this part. He goes, "What's that riddle about the the pyramids?" And and Lee goes, "Oh, you're thinking about the riddle of the Sphinx. What's what?" what Walks on four legs when it's young, two when it's grown, and three when it's old. He goes, you've got it. You know what that is, right? 
it's perfect I was like, okay they're really yeah it, it was home. perfect it's a perfect cut into it it's great and if you didn't notice note it know what it was this yeah you'd go oh three legs okay that's yeah that's the cane is the third leg and you've you're crawling when you're a baby for four. And then when you're adult, you walk on two, hopefully, if you're lucky. And then, uh, and then, yeah, three when you're older, if you have a cane. That's kind of cute. Now, a difference, we haven't had a difference in a little while with the scripts, but in the, dif- the difference is Amanda in the script is sitting around on a picnic table with a bunch of people, different people from the agency, um, retirees, and she's getting information from all of them. But in the episode, we only see her talking to one person and pulling information from her each time. So Mrs. Thurman, I supervise the menus for a 24-hour uh, work cycle, nonstop, go, go, go. And Amanda says, I think I've got the idea, Mrs. Thurman. And she says, protein, energy, food. That was the main thing. No junk. You can't expect people to do their best work on potato chips and Twinkies, which she pretty much says in the the episode that we see. But sitting around, there's a bunch of other people in the script. There's other people that she's talking with. So she's gathering it all at once, which they're all breaking their oaths, right? (laughs) All together in front of each other. So... No hiding that, I guess. Oh, I think at this point now they're, well, I don't know. Why Why are they now giving it up? Yeah, I mean, I guess, well, they probably, um, she probably filled them in and said, hey, you know, they, they've taken Rupert and they, they kidnapped Rupert, Rupert and now yeah. he's all messed up and we have to find this because they're going to blow a building up, you know, kind of thing. But she yeah. is talking to Glynis and, and in the script, she's talking to Mrs. Thurman. So they didn't, I guess they didn't want to hire another old person. I don't know. But it's cute. And Amanda goes to tell her, like, you know, you can't tell anybody. And she goes, mum's the word. I already know. You know, it's, they've all into that uh, world already. So now Duran is blowing his way through the agency. And it's 541, according to Billy's office clock. This is another one where we had these in the dailies. Ian Wolf kept messing up his lines, but <laughs> it's funny. And they had to do different angles on this one, too, that we had to watch. You know, had to watch. We got privilege to watch i should say amanda's trying to trigger his knowledge of of where the pyramid is um, because they still don't know and um, billy's getting really anxious he's like amanda keep going what else you got you know and she keeps telling him these weird things and then he starts snoring she's like rupert the air conditioning So he's like, yeah, the air conditioning what do i know about air conditioning that was ollie's baby ask him and they only have a few minutes and then amanda's like rupert did you know that washington sits on a a, a vuvial i can't even say that i can say um plain <laughs> and she's like all excited she's like yeah and he's just like oh yeah it was a hard rock <laughs> solid so he knows they're digging lee's figuring out they're like digging he's like the white house it was built in the 60s Doug Lewis comes in uh, for C4-900 and he said, uh, you know, we we went through and looked at all of them, the A all the way through the T and he goes, "Uh, it's not in there. And he goes, it has to be. Then Rupert starts hearing this and he's like talking about the transistors uh, and and, uh, it was a beauty. And she's like, oh, I'm sure it was Rupert. Why don't you tell us about it? Closed loop. Six million dollars. Yeah. And then she goes, she kind of mouths and she goes, six million which in the script, the other guy was supposed to say that. And uh, she goes, why did it cost so much? And he goes, well, it had to. It was it was the prototype number. Ought, ought, ought. 
Which in the thing, it's he was supposed to say oh oh oh, and he said ought ought ought. What's ought? Anybody? Ought I, is zero. I mean, I figured that, but I mean, what's that? Has anybody ever heard of ought? Yeah, it's, a, it's an old term. It's like like they called the nineteen they called the year nineteen hundred. Oh, I didn't ought. know that. Huh. Okay. We didn't do it in two thousand, but they did it in yeah. <laughs> well, given when Rupert was born, yeah, he would know, right? Ian, yeah. It's back in 1896. 1896, yeah. 1896. That's crazy. Well, so the guy in there, Lewis, he's like, my God, the prototype. I didn't even think of that. It's like, well, hello. Why wouldn't you go to the prototype too? Why don't you check that, you know? He goes, who would? I only look for the production series. He's like, think, man, where is it? He goes, you're standing in it. And they're all like, oh, crap. And Amanda goes, Pyramid is the agency? And he just shakes his head. And she's like, oh, great. They all start scrambling and we've never seen this before. It's red alert. Everybody, the, the lights are flashing. Everybody's scrambling out of the building. The guards are, you know, escorting people out. Lee finally gets Rupert to uh, tell him where the, the hole is, where they sealed it up. It's a single point of failure. They all know that Duran's got it uh, and knows the secret. So they only have a few minutes because now they've probably figured out that it's at 550. So more vile than someone has to gas the I know, right? Agency. Exactly. Poor people. He's being contracted to do a job. Oh, wow. Maybe. Wow. We don't know. Really? This could be a personal vendetta because they never yeah. say. That's true. I think it's a personal vendetta. I do too because they said he seems was an agent. Pers- seems very personally invested. Yeah. It, uh, TP kind of alluded to the fact that he's kind of coming back, that he's a, he's like a uh, fallen agent kind of thing is the kind of the sense I got, or it might have been in the script. I can't remember. I might be reading into it because I read it in the script, but he definitely it seemed like he was like a fallen agent kind of returning, and this is his vengeance kind of thing, which he is also now getting paid for too. So, but apparently, if you get if you get paid for something, Jen, it's okay. You can be you're not evil because you're getting paid for it. Well, and that's the thing. I don't know if he is. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Being hired, or if. He's just like a disgruntled like, agent that wants to come back and just destroy the agency. Yeah, because they don't really I, say who who anybody that he works for. You know what I mean? It's like it's like he's hiring these people to do it, and it doesn't seem like there's anybody above him pulling the strings. Yeah, I mean, and they mentioned he's a murder for hire, but that, that's his past job. But that doesn't mean that in this case he's working for someone. I mean, he could just turn his sights on the agency and decide to destroy it. Yeah. Francine comes in and she's got a case uh, that has an injection in it and it's for atrophine for chemical attack. And uh, he's like, for G5? And she goes, well, no, not exactly, but it's similar. It might work, it might not. Well, that's reassuring. So Amanda keeps trying to get him to remember where the weak spot is. And then he finally, he he finally remembers, goes, oh, yeah. (laughs) He goes, yeah, I know. Level F, section 17. And it opens right into the parking structure at, uh, right out at Wisconsin Avenue. And he thought that was just hilarious. <laughs> Lee's telling him to get out of there. And then he's going to go deal with Duran himself. I find him quite sexy here at this point. <laughs> Risking his own life for everybody. <laughs> yes, right? Exactly. And then uh, Amanda's trying to get Rupert out of there. And uh, 
you know, get them onto the street. And everybody's scrambling to get the hell out of the building while they're about ready to blow it up. Because once they get the G5 gas in there, then it's going to go into the air conditioning and then it's going to spread out to everybody. Why don't they just turn off the air conditioning? Just a thought. That's one idea to slow it down. A good idea. And slow the airflow, but it's... Yeah, but I mean, it would help, I'm sure. Usually you can reverse them. So, you know, you're not sucking it in Yeah, you're pushing it down, yeah. And they said it was a closed system, though. Oh, right. So it recycles the air. Yeah. Complicated. Whoever, I feel bad for whoever the stuntman was when, uh, that's right there when that thing blows. Because the little chunks of concrete went, all those particles probably went in their eyes. (laughs) Because it it was not that far away. It It did look really close. It did look pretty close. So that was, it was a cool shot. Again, that visual from Kate uh, directing, it's very cool. Uh, and then then all of a sudden you see these men coming in with those big gas masks uh, and big machine guns and uh, they're making their way in. And then Lee then gets there and starts shooting and he got a couple of them, but then uh, they came in and threw the gas and it started going. So then he had to get his uh, himself injected with that for the atrophine stuff. And um, ooh, he got a couple of them. And then when they shoot, the, the the bullets are hitting the walls. It looks pretty real, too. It's pretty cool. This is one of those kind of surreal scenes with, the, with like, the music and the lighting. Yes, the- it's very cool. The lighting and the and the smoke and, 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 and the music. The music is so good in this. So the gas is coming, so Lee hurries up and stabs himself with that. Um, I like how he pulls it out with his teeth, you know. And then Duran gets up and his his uh, gas mask is broken. The glass on his eye, around the eye is broken. So now that gas can get in there. And he doesn't have, which, why wouldn't they give themselves that shot? Or why don't we at least dive back through the hole? Yeah. Like, he's just standing there dying. It's yeah. Like, do something. Yeah, do something, yeah, dude. You, you think you have the end of just in case. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, shot. give yourself a sh- that shot before you go in just, just as a precaution, you know? Then the guys realize, oh, crap, uh, Duran just bit it, and uh, we better get out of here. So they all jump back in the van, and they start taking off. But Duran's a dead man. I mean, he's... And then two of the guys are killed because Lee's shot him already. And I do like how when uh, Lee checks his pulse and everything, and then he stands up, and he's, like, standing there, and then he starts rubbing his leg, you know, because... If, yeah, if you've ever... Um, I, I For first responding, you have to do the... Um, the uh test shot for the epinephrine pen and it hurts like a mother <laughs> so <laughs> it's cool that they use that it, it was a bit more realistic you know like oh that really hurt and then uh that's the end of uh the scene and then we get the tag so i'm going to talk about what's in the script because the script is completely different than what is in uh, the actual film version so this is exterior birchwood during the day and remember Dottie. We, we lost that scene, but Dottie was uh, involved somewhat, was aware of Birchwood Retirement Village, right? So now Dottie is with Amanda at Birchwood. So Amanda and Dottie are visiting with the seniors in the recreation garden. Several of the, of the gents are particularly interested in Dottie. One of them whispers in her ear, and then you hear Dottie say, Mr. Olney, really, I might think you're serious. And he says, I am, sweetie. I've always been partial to the young stuff. And Mr. Olney and his cronies chuckle. Dottie backs away and shares a moment with Amanda. 
Amanda is laughing. She says, relax, mother. They're harmless. Take it as a compliment. And Dottie says, I've taken about 20 compliments since we got here, and some of them are going to be black and blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, Dottie. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Wait. And then, and then Mr. Only calling over says, hey, Dots, the boys and I want to make some waves in the whirlpool. How about it? And Dottie says, no. I didn't bring my... <laughs> He goes, I, she goes, I didn't bring my suit. This elicits a new storm of laughter from the men. Some of their lady companions chide them. And Mr. Only says, then we won't bring ours either. Wow. <laughs> it keeps going, guys. Rupert is some distance away. Amanda walks to him, leaving Dottie to contend with the lechers. Rupert gives her a sweet kiss and they walk further away from the others. With them, Amanda says, I hope nobody here is going to start talking about the old days, Rupert. My mother's in the dark about what I do. Rupert says, no problem. I plugged all the leaks. Confidentially, he says, there's something fishy going on. And Amanda says, not again. Are you sure? And he nods, something peculiar in the kitchen. They've been acting funny in there all day. So then we have angle to the building and Leah's gesturing uh, it says, no, we are now staged out of Dottie's field of view. And Amanda says, what's going on? Why are you here to Lee? And Ru- Lee says, Rupert called me. Rupert nods. He's right. Some Something very odd is going on, and I think we should find out what it is. Lee gestures ahead, and Amanda looks puzzled, but Lee winks, pointing. Rupert strides off firmly on Rupert. He turns a corner, and several seniors pop up with balloons, gifts, etc. Two ladies holding a cake, heavy with as many candles as will fit on the on the top they ad lib surprise happy birthday rupert etc rupert nods as if to say i knew it and nods and turns back rupert says told you he's surrounded by the the partiers and then on lee and amanda enjoying rupert's surprise lee takes her hand amanda says think he found out and lee says not from me i can keep a secret and amanda says good and Amanda swings Lee by the hand away from the others. Aww. Aww. Isn't that cute? I, that I know. I thought it was so much cuter. Well, except for maybe. Yeah, Dottie getting raped. Dottie getting gang raped. So much, <laughs> it makes so much more sense for them to have his surprise party I know. at the home. Yes. And then him being suspicious of what's going on in the kitchen. And then I think that's cute. I thought so too. And, and I love her how she's like you know, oh, good, you can keep a secret. Like, let's go. I was like, oh, that was so cute. Yeah, they could have skipped the whole Dottie part of it and still had the cute mm-hmm. tag. I agree. The I agree. I thought that was really cute. Anyway, so that's what we missed in the tag uh, on the shooting draft. And so what we do get, um, we'll talk about here, and that is them, uh, Lee, Amanda, and Rupert coming out of the clothes closet elevator and he's like oh and they laugh and he's like don't remember seeing that in the original plan (laughs) he goes would have vetoed it never liked gadgets do you guys notice um bruce has like the hardest time with his badge it like flips and flops and he can't get it to lay down (laughs) and then finally it does it's kind of funny uh they're talking about he finally gets to see what he built he goes right down to izzy einstein's fancy carpet Nothing much changed, huh? He goes, no, of course not. Buildings are like people. The good ones last. And then Amanda says, I say they do, sir. They certainly do. And then they walk in and they have a bunch of balloons and surprises, uh, surprise them with uh, cake. 
I think I should nominate that as one of my favorite one-liners. Which one? Which part? Buildings are like people. The good ones last. Okay. Let me write. I'm writing a lot of down. You guys are going crazy on this one. All right. I, I feel like I, that it just it makes the architect slash interior designer lover in me. Yeah, that's happy. true. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, especially for this context. Okay, you got it. So we got three nominations in one episode. Wow. We better get cracking. We've only got 11 left. I know. <laughs> so then they get there and Rupert's like, did you have something to do with this niece? And she goes, well, and then, and, uh, and then he says, and you nephew, he's like, yeah, <laughs> if I were a couple years younger, we'd go dancing, stay out late too. And <laughs> she goes, oh, that's sweet. Lexi would be, been like, back off, buddy. <laughs> I don't find you charming. <laughs> no, not at all. That's so then he tells him to give him a hand because he doesn't have the uh, air that he used to. So uh, they all help make help him make a wish and they blow out the candles. And that's how it ends. I think it's cute. I like, I like Kate's outfit. It's yeah, there. I think she yeah. wears this again in Three Little Spies. Yeah, it looks familiar. It does look cute. And then, of course, she's got her little waist in there. You know, the sweater being tucked in and everything. She's so tiny. Uh, and then it's very sweet at the end. We have, it goes to black and it says in loving memory of Hogan Jackson Jr. So that was very sweet. It's very timely that the one that she got to, I wonder if she was supposed to direct all along or she wanted to direct this particular one. I wonder. I'm sure she probably was already scheduled to direct that one because it takes longer than two weeks in pre-production. Well, it was about a, uh, yeah, about two weeks. Yeah, you're right. Two, three weeks. Yeah, True. I noticed she didn't have any scenes with Dottie or the boys. Maybe she's like, yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, like I need to, pro- she probably just needed focus. to focus on. I focus on it. Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was sweet. So do you think it's just coincidental that she was directing and then that was for her father? Because it just seems like it was so, like it was an older gentleman, which her father was 72 when he passed. So that there was some similarities I, I, there. I, I, and- I think that it's, just yeah, coincidental. It's probably just coincidence. That's a good coincidence, son. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I thought it was really good. I like that one. I like this one better than her other directing one, which I also found there's some great things in that too. I just found this story a little more interesting. Yeah, I like this one. Yeah. I, I thought it was a good story overall. Mm-hmm. And, and the characters. It just made you feel good, the the older people and yeah, reminded me of my grandparents and, and stuff. Me, but I thought you could kind of tell that there was just extra attention to detail, but it's probably because I, I knew she was directing it. So, I'm I, but I do think she paid more attention. I think she paid more attention, and Bruce said it too. And I don't think it was just blowing smoke. He said that she showed up a lot of the people that had directed in the past. You know that she was. It was like he 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 said it in he said it in private and in. in uh, uh, just a few, you know, a year or two ago and said that she was great at directing and she should have, you know, he thought she was going to go in that direction. Like that he, sh- you know, like he thought she would go in it and that would, that would have been great for her. So I think, I don't think it was him just saying for whatever interview he was doing that she did a good job. Like, I think he truly felt that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So that is the end of that one. I, I do like that one. I forget that I like that one until I watch it. I'm like, oh, you know, that was a good one. There's certain ones, you know, that kind of stick out as your favorites. And that one always, I forget about it. And then I watch it and I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like that one. And then I was thinking the same thing, too, as I started watching it again. And when that first music comes yes. up, I'm like, you know what? I love this one. Why do I not watch this yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Why have I only seen this one 80 times instead of 100? <laughs> yeah, I, I did like it, though. It's time for Dottie's bookshelf, and good old Dottie pulled off a couple of fan fiction stories from her shelf to recommend that tie into the Pharaoh's Engineer. Our first recommendation is a tag extension called Pharaoh's Engineer Tagalong by Amber Stockton. What happened after Lee and Amanda helped Rupert blow out the candles of his cake? It's a very sweet exchange mixed with a little snarky Francine. How could you go wrong there? The second recommendation is by Karen Lamana and is called Into the Unknown. The story was published in November of 18 and has 2,600 words. This story fills in some of the gaps while Lee is going after the bad guy. So Amanda's, you know, worried about what's happening to him and, and this fills that all in. As always, we'll provide the links to these stories on our website at mkcpodcast.com in the show notes. It's time for the videos from the SNK Vault related to the episode Pharaoh's Engineer. This episode had a theme of retirement and living the good life, or as Lee put it, the future if we are lucky. He says this with a smile as if he's looking forward to those days, and it's almost as if we can imagine an older Lee and Amanda on a front porch swaying, relaxing, and enjoying each other's company. So the first video celebrates what these two have already shared as well as those special years to come, some of which only happen in our imagination. The song is Through the Years by Kenny Rogers, and the video was put together by Love SNK. And we'd also like to mention that at the time of this recording, Kenny had, had recently passed away. He had a wonderful, soulful voice, and his songs always had a meaningful message. So this is a shout out to him as well. And I don't know if you guys have listened to this song, but it's just a really... Yeah, I know the song. It's a good song. I love all Kenny Rogers' songs, but this one. And and with this video, I mean, it's so sweet for the two of them. So we hope you enjoy that one. The second video has a bit of humor, showing a mix-up compilation of Billy and Amanda on the phone during season three. And it's just cut and paste a bunch of video clips together. It's entitled S&K on the Phone. And the clips are compiled by Moxie's SK vids. It's actually quite humorous. And much of this video contains conversations from the Pharaoh's engineer. So it's very relevant to this episode. And as a bonus, we have two TV clips of interviews of Kate as she discusses the show and her directing debut. One is entitled uh, Kate Jackson Directing and the other close up with Kate Jackson. Both are wonderful interviews that show her happy about the camaraderie within the show's staff all the show has achieved so far and her directing in this episode of Ferris Engineer. And both of these wonderful clips were provided by TJSNK lover LBR and also discussed earlier in this podcast. I think actually, Taya, you had mentioned Lee's discussion about um, Kate's directing abilities and so these two clips show both Kate and some Bruce as well, talking about Kate's directing, which are so sweet. And she actually, I think in the first one, the one about Kate Jackson directing, she's in her soft pink sweater from the beginning of this episode. So it's like I can just imagine her filming Pharaoh's Engineer and then kind of running off to do an interview and coming back. So those are great clips. And I'm glad, again, that they're out there so we can enjoy them. So... That's cool. Thank you, Taya. We'll have to put uh, the, I have a few of the um, directing, the pictures of her with the crew. We'll have to post those and maybe somehow in our uh, social media stuff, maybe. Yeah, that would be great. I, I really see like this episode almost and maybe some to come as sort of like the, the high of, I mean, it's my opinion, but 
high of S and K when everybody was so happy. You know, Kate wasn't having to fight for her life really with breast cancer mm-hmm. and be stressed about that. And you know, she was seemed so happy and had all these opportunities to direct the show. So every it just seemed was like it was at the high, the S and K high. So yeah. does that mean from here it's all downhill or? <laughs> well, no, but I don't know. It, in some ways, everything is just so cohesive and kind of it, pulled together. They're clicking. And I felt like later, even in season four, it was a lot of hodgepodge. Some goodness, some not so goodness. And right now, I just feel like, you know, everything, this is sort of... And probably if you asked her, she would say the same thing. This was really the best of the best right here. Not that it goes downhill a lot, but I mean, <laughs> just teasing. maybe for her, it becomes more stressful. So... Anyway, those clips are great. So we hope you enjoy these videos, which we found on YouTube, of course. And we provide the links on our website at nkcpodcast.com. So that's all for this episode of Mrs. King's Chronicles. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we did recording it. Be sure to join us next time when we discuss Wrong Number. Bye. 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 Bye.